0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 411 Grounded Pound MMA podcast, your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Winfrey. I am your host for the show. It is currently Sunday, October 27th, 2019. I should probably do that every week, just announce the date that we're recording, so none of this comes off as deeply anachronistic. Tonight we will be reviewing yesterday's event, UFC on ESPN Plus 20. The UFC was back in Singapore, and you know what? I mentioned last week, that's a pretty, that was a decent enough card on paper, and it turned out, you know what, pretty pretty solid, all things considered. Some good, some bad, some hilariously bad. Uh, we'll get into all of it. Also on the docket this evening, next week, oh boy, UFC 244, baby. I am I am deeply excited for that card. We'll have a full preview uh, between those discuss- discussing those two events. Uh, there was a dust up this last week featuring Nate Diaz and the organization of USADA, a little bit of the UFC. So we're gonna have to talk about that because we can just talk a little bit about what a giant fail in many respects USADA and the UFC has been, but. Uh, we'll see. Anyway, we'll talk a little bit about a bunch of that stuff. Um, UFC 245 got a couple of fights. One of them's odd. One of them's great. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, some fights fell through this week. Um, Junior Dos Santos had a pretty gnarly staff infection. In fact, there's a picture of him in the hospital with the hole in his leg. That's what happens when you do Dancing with the Stars. Just Less sanitary than BJJ Matz. Uh, and uh, yeah, just any other news that's kind of come out over the last week, so you guys know the drill by now. <clears throat> Here with me is my usual partner in crime. He is currently uh, watching and eagerly anticipating another victory for the Houston Astros in the current World Series, Jeff Harris. How you doing, Jeff?
1: Two and two. Let's go, Astros. Let's get it done. The other thing I will get done tonight, I'm going to make Robert Win- Winfrey give Benil Dariush his due.
0: I'm always happy to give Benil Dariush his due.
1: Never. You, you, you and Pat Mullen have both trashed him multiple times.
0: I have not trashed him. I said I think he's peaked, which is probably still a somewhat accurate statement. That doesn't it's mean not he's not inaccurate.
1: good. Inaccurate. Inaccurate.
0: But he runs over Frank Camacho and suddenly he's a top 15 guy again?
1: It's erroneous. People have made
0: it into the rankings on less. That's true. Oh, the rank, that, okay. That's true. The rankings suck. <laughs> like, okay. I'm, not, I'm not arguing that. Again, okay, look, I I said last week if Daru if we ranked out to twenty, I'd probably have Darius in my top twenty. He deserves to be higher. I'm gonna have to bring up the both the rankings and the like roster list and see if I agree with that in a second or two. But we'll get to it. Now, I was a big supporter of Daryush going into. What was that loss that not because it wasn't the I mean, the, the Hernandez loss was a bad one. But I think I I think I picked him in the Barboza fight, actually. And then you know, he had such a great first round followed by getting knocked out. And I mean, it's lightweight.
1: Barboza it and Barboza's perennial top 10 can, competitor.
0: And then he fought to a draw with Evan Dunham that he was lucky to get.
1: Look, Evan Dunham's not a world beater, but he's had his moments in the UFC as well. Far and, then he,
0: the and then he got knocked—he was still ranked at that point, actually. Then he gets knocked out by Hernandez, and that's kind of that.
1: Dunham, whether you like it or not, Dunham was on a four-fight winning streak at the time, coming off consecutive wins over Ross Pearson, Joe Lozon, and Rick Glenn. None so, of those guys are so, a, not a league competition, but those so, guys are tough, long-time veterans— who I mean, who have either had long runs in, in MMA with considerable win loss records in MMA or the UFC.
0: So a natural featherweight fighting up a weight class on short notice and two washed out and two uh, like washed guys. Look, Lozon was washed right. at that point, well, as Aronious. was Pearson. Erroneous. <laughs> hey, look, the fact that he that came was, back in this one is well, That was Rick is not... UFC debut. Yeah, he took it on short notice, and he's a natural featherweight. All
1: right, well. Maybe he thought it was his natural weight.
0: No, he took it on short notice. And yeah. we, we see that all the time with guys who will take a short notice fight hey, but like, in the wrong weight class. Just
1: considered one of the top fighters of the World Series
0: of Fighting at the time? We'll get into it. Yeah, yeah. Glenn, was, Glenn was he was a former champion in World Series of Fighting, yeah, wasn't exactly. he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't have anything against Glenn.
1: I, I think you're underselling Beniel, and we'll
0: get into it. Okay. All right uh let's go ahead and jump in with the main event then because this was this was a lot of fun I had a lot of fun that with this fight, fight
1: I said on social media that fight was better than it had any right to be when you consider all the metrics right
0: yeah In a lot well the striking was more engaging than I think we all expected the grappling was everything we hoped it was right. uh Damian Maya submits Ben Askren with a Rear naked choke, three fifty-four oh, of the Damian third Maya. round.
1: Thirty-one-year-old Damien Maya is
0: still getting it done. Yeah, Damian Maya, man. I, I I almost don't know what to say about that guy. He's equal parts infuriating and incredible.
1: Um, how did you score that fight uh, before it got? It was the third round, but how were you scoring the fight?
0: I was around a piece going into the third. Okay. Um, so yeah, the uh, this fight we saw the return of K1 ready Damian Maya, um, <laughs> which is just a joke. Uh, but Damian Maya, yeah, a lot like, of
1: people like Maya does not, he's not an elite striker, but I think I even said last week he, he his striking has developed to an adequate
0: level. Yeah, he's got, but... I think we all mentioned, he's got better hands than Askren does, like, right? He was throwing a good straight left, uh. They did a little bit of grappling in that first round, not a lot. They were both clearly very wary of it. Uh, Second round, like, when this fight was on the feet, it was just kind of a drunken bar fight, but the kind that's, you know, somewhat amusing to watch.
1: Askren, for all his skill, has never really developed his striking all that much, as much as Maya has.
0: Uh, uh, Askren's very much kind of known where his bread is, which side his bread is buttered on. And,
1: you know, not that he should stand and bang, but I feel like even if you're a wrestler... A really good wrestler you should be able you know if you can't, what if your wrestling gets taken away you need to be able to use those tools you know
0: yeah you need the plan b and c um so they engaged in some of that the the big thing in the second round was some really great again there was some great grappling uh askrin hit a couple of takedowns maya hit a beautiful omoplata sweep into top position very nearly gets Askrens. I mean, seriously, that triangle to Omoplata to Sweep was a thing of beauty. We
1: rarely see, you know, ground battles this high level in the yeah. UFC as of late.
0: And we, not only that, we rarely see them actually engage this way. A lot of times when you see two really, really good grapplers in MMA, even if they go to the grappling, they tend to be very, very conservative about what they're doing. Like, OK, I've got yeah. full guard. He's going to try to pass, I'm going to try to stall. And that wasn't the case here again. Maya gets taken down, throws up a triangle attempt. Askrin gets his head free, switches to an omoplata sweep. Askrin rolls through, Maya gets on top. Askrin tries to cu- tries to base out to his knees. Maya spins to his back because Maya's back taking and guard passing is god tier in mixed martial arts. Uh, gives up again, gets the back with one hook in. Askrin explodes through, scrambles into him, gets on top, they wind up back on the, like, it was very fast and near the end of the round, and it was brilliant. And then we get into the third round, and there's, both guys are kind of marked up on the face because they've been hitting each other a lot. Askren in the second round really kind of dialed in this, like, step-in-right uppercut to kind of counter Maya's straight left. And someone with better punching power would have caused Maya a lot of problems, but Askren was doing kind of the, you know, the, the hockey dad punches, so this was the
1: sharpest Maya looked in a long time. Almost looked like the old, the Damian Maya of old.
0: In some ways, yeah. Uh, yeah then we get to the third. Askren gets this uh, really nice. T- he was getting some takedowns pretty much at well. Maya wasn't as concerned with stopping his takedowns as he was landing in a position he could work from. Gets taken down. Rolls under, uh, uses a leg lock to sweep, gets on top. Maya's passing again. I really can't express this enough. His passing is so, so good. Gets on top, passes half guard, passes into half guard. From there, looks for full mount, winds up getting the back, body triangle. Askin tries to hand fight for a bit. Maya's able to punch the choking arm through. Doesn't even really get under the neck necessarily. But something about his squeeze, man. Damian Maya's squeeze has to be just otherworldly because he's Ben Askren is not the first person he's put into a submission. When I say submission position, I mean gets them to tap without having everything. And I, this might be this might seem like I'm mean, you who the hell am I to criticize Damian Maya kind of thing. But there are established best practices for choking positions. There are people and Maya appears to be one of them who just have enough of a squeeze to overcome not being in the completely ideal choking position. Again, he doesn't really get all the way under the neck like you want, but he gets close enough. He gets the mechanical lock with his arms and that's all she wrote. Um, again, this, this was te- Bobby triangle, too,
1: is a very effective technique if you have someone's back.
0: Depending on what you're trying to do, yes.
1: I've seen some guys with the body triangle and as long as they have that, you know, their opponent is not getting out of it. It's a very effective it's a very effective way to you know, if you're working on the ground and you're trying to gain a dominant position at least. Like you may may not get the choke, but you'll have like you'll have your opponent's back and you'll have, you know, the seat of advantage.
0: A lot of it depends on what you're trying to accomplish with the position. And there are ways to attack a body triangle. And credit to, again, this is, you know, Maya absolutely knows this. He made the decision. Maya's one of the few guys who I've seen in the past attack an armbar from the back. Um, Was it, uh, was it Leonardo Santos? or Leandro Silva, one of those two or uh, Gilbert Burns actually has a really sick armbar from the back. Uh the body triangle limits that a little bit, but it's harder to reverse a body triangle than it is to reverse uh, against kind of the traditional hook position. It's it, it, it it's a bit more stable that way. That you know, sweep by Maya was a thing of beauty. Well, yeah, he had a couple of them and Askren hit a couple as well, When these two were grappling, man. I like I just wanted to watch these two roll. Like give me the training footage of these two in the gym because man that looked like a lot of fun. Again, that was a lot of fun to watch those I mean, two. Rather, that.
1: When you see good ground battles, it's really good, you know, and it just doesn't you know, as you said, people tend to be cautious when they face good ground opponents, but when you can see a good high-level grappling match, you know, it's not boring. Like I really enjoy technical ground battles when they're good, you know, and I I enjoyed the fight last night cuz it's not it's not something we often see two high level grapplers like this engaging each other on the ground.
0: Yeah, um again, a lot of fun uh sucks for Askren who's now 1 and 2 in the UFC, but yeah, it, it does bear noting as far as Ben Askren goes. He's he, done
1: Jorge he Masvidal a star, so I mean, he did that. So um, you can't you can't argue the trade with Demetrius Johnson paid off. Oh, it, it did. Made, I, I mean, it made Masvidal into a huge star. So there you
0: go. Well, there's a couple of things about that. One, yeah, it, it helped make Jorge Masvidal a star. Here's the other reality of this, and I know there's a lot of people out there who would go, "Now look, you know, Demetrius Johnson has been doing great. he Has you know." Uh, one got the better end of that deal. They got Demetrius Johnson. I mean, here's the reality of that situation. Have you watched any of Demetrius Johnson's fight in one? And I don't mean this as like they've been bad. But if your point is, you know, one got the better end of that deal, but you're not watching Demetrius Johnson and you are watching Ben Askren, you're wrong. Well, that might
1: you... change with the TNT deal isn't one's going to be on TNT now, aren't they?
0: Intermittently. I mean, yeah, they uh, part of their, like, century event from a couple of weeks ago was on, I I think, at, like, some uh, ridiculous hour on TNT. But, yeah. So, again, maybe it'll change. I thought they
1: were getting, like, an actual broadcast deal with TNT, was my understanding.
0: Yeah, again, they were... uh, I think... I'm trying to remember the start time for the one century stuff that they did. I think that started, like, 11 a.m. Eastern. They're not broadcast because I I don't think they're live. I think they're a bit. I think they're tape delayed. So, and then look again, maybe that, that might change it in the future. I'm just saying right now, I'm loosely familiar with the numbers one has been drawing. And look, look, is, has Demetrius Johnson from a pure talent acquisition standpoint been better? Is he the better fighter of the two? Maybe. In some respects, absolutely, yes. And Demetrius is a much more well-rounded fighter. But the goal isn't just to be the... If you're operating at an organizational level, who's the best is somewhat secondary to who's the most interesting, who's the most viewed. Well... Wow. Ben Askren draws more business than Demetrius Johnson, and I hate that that's reality. I love DJ. Well,
1: here's my question. Why not just bring Askren in five or six years ago? They should have. When he was undefeated, he was still undefeated, champion, Olympic wrestler, NCAA Division One I champion. I, I, I don't see the logic in not giving him some sort of opportunity or chance in the UFC. Like, I, now, look, I don't know what he was asking and what he was looking for in terms of numbers, but I can't imagine. I mean,
0: look, the UFC. Do you not remember what Dana said about him?
1: I remember. Yeah, I remember Dana. Dana White said he doesn't want to fight in the UFC, which I
0: don't believe. No, no, no. He said he needs to go to World Series of Fighting and season up.
1: I don't remember him actually saying that.
0: that no, That's a quote. He said that because regarding
1: Ben Askren or John Fitch uh, Askren. I remember him saying something like that. I think about John Fitch or something.
0: No, no, no. Because when Askren's uh, Bellator deal was up, he, there were some questions about whether or not he'd wind up in the UFC. And Dana White's response was, you know, this undefeated Olympic wrestler. He's been smashing people in Bellator. No, I, I've seen him, but, you know, I, I think he should go to World Series Are of Fighting he- and get more experience.
1: I mean, what? I, I that makes no sense to
0: me. No, it was asinine.
1: Because <laughs> look, you get you get Hector Lombard, <laughs> and they were hoping Hector Lombard would be like an opponent for Anderson Silva, maybe. Hector Lombard, I, I remember not like Hector Lombard would have some fights where he crushed some cans, but some of his fights in Bellator weren't all that good, as I recall.
0: Well, Lombard and Lombard benefited tremendously from a highlight reel. But he was missold re- relative to that. If you, if you, again, for those of us that actually watched his fights, he's not an aggressive smashing machine. Even at his best, that wasn't his game. He but he like, would he would smash people. But but it's not smart. Like you paid all that money for Hector right. Lombard,
1: and you justify that. But you, how do you justify not hiring a younger Ben Askren, and trading Demetrius Johnson? For, uh,
0: because uh, I mean, look, I. I it's look, still can, silly to me, Robert. I'm sorry. It, it is. Look, it's asinine, but I can tell you the reason. <laughs> Hector Lombard had a highlight reel full of knockouts. Ben Askren did not have a highlight reel.
1: No, and, and look, he, had, it, he, he didn't. Ha, he he wasn't on paper. He wasn't the most like fight friendly, satisfying fighter. But you're still the UFC and trying to put on. I mean, neither was Jake Shields, but they still got Jake Shields.
0: They got Jake Shields more to screw with Strike Force than anything else.
1: But they still got him, and they, and, they, and they looked to put him in a fight with TSP. Eh, and did. Um, and for very valid reasons at the time, uh, I believe. So.
0: Noted PED user Jake Shields. What? Oh come on, Jake Shields failed multiple drug tests.
1: Uh, did I? I only know of the earlier one. Yeah, I
0: think he's. It wasn't I, confirmed to be PEDs. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. He claimed it wasn't. Yeah, he claimed. I think he like wound up having to pull out of a another MMA fight because when there a grappling event,
1: there's only one. No, there was only one failed drug test. Sorry, I'm not copping to that one drug. I
0: could have, no, I could have sworn there was a grappling event. He had to pull out of because he failed one. There was something like that. I I only know about the
1: one fight, the UFC 150 fight with Ed Herman.
0: I knew that one, but I, I could have sworn there was another, there was another instance.
1: I don't, I don't, know. I don't know.
0: I don't know. Yeah, I, I, look, if happened. I can't remember specifics right. off the top of my head, I, I won't stand by it. Well, so. Look, the
1: UFC should have gone. should have got him in earlier. Yep. Even if he's not good, and even if he doesn't amount to much, because he had all the metrics. And he had, he had a resume that I thought was worthy of giving a guy a shot in the UFC, because they... Sign guys to big contracts for less.
0: You know and whatever. The UFC is not a meritocracy. Mm-hmm. You'd like to think Stay that far. you know an you know uh, a sport that fundamentally resolves in a resolves itself in a very binary set uh, binary way would be more on the meritocratic side, and it is more meritocratic than others, but it's not at all a meritocracy. Look, I, uh, I
1: understand that. At the same time, I don't agree with it.
0: No, look, it sucks. I'm not, I'm not advocating for it as the best okay. situation. I'm just stating the reality.
1: Um, what do you do with Damian Maya now, though?
0: I don't know, man. I mean, he's fought he's everybody. Years
1: old, and now, But now he's won his last three, beat what? Ben Askren impressively. Do you uh, put him in there with a Robbie Lawler, or
0: what do you, what do, you do? You could maybe do Lawler. A Lawler fight would be, I mean, Damian Maya mentioned after this fight, he's only got like two more fights on his current UFC deal, or he recently signed a new one that's only for two fights, and he kind of plans on retiring after that and moving he's on 41. with his life.
1: He's 41. He doesn't have long left.
0: And look, if he's, if he's kind of on the, you know, I've got two fights left, and then I'm going to be done. But he's still
1: fighting at the top of his game, arguably. He's still
0: operating at a very high level. That much is I mean, fair not much long ago.
1: We have to remember, not long ago, he got a win over
0: George Mosfidal in 2017. Uh, d- yeah, that's the one that got him his title shot. Him. Yeah, I, I think Jorge Mosfidal, in the wake of this fight, Mosfidal said, if I get the belt, I want to give Maya a shot at it because Mosfidal wants that fight. He wants to run and, that one back.
1: In Woodley, Covington, and Usman, it's not like they destroyed him. Well, they did, they did numerically, but those, I mean, the fight with Woodley was awful, but it wasn't like Woodley was beating him up.
0: It was to, as the fight wore on. It was eh. that, that fight got ugly shutting
1: down was. his grappling game and just didn't do much else. As
0: I, I get, look again, the fight is I, I watched it. I covered it. I thought it was a terrible fight. I still think it's the worst welterweight title fight in UFC history. Right. But he did
1: he did take that fight on about four weeks' notice.
0: Yeah, they did kind of rush that one. And I mean, look, you know, the other losses like so you lost to Woodley in a title fight, you lost to Colby Covington, your current number one contender, former He's interim the champion. Interim champion. So is he cur- Is that it now? He's currently the interim champion. No, well Usman's the
1: current Usman. Is who I was.
0: Yeah, co- yeah. He, he loses to Covington, current number one contender, former interim champion, and then Usman, the current champion. Like he's not losing to scrubs. All right, and he's losing to the class of the division.
1: Right. So, I,
0: I, we,
1: I don't know what's going on with Lawler, but you could, it, you could maybe La- see that. Try,
0: I think they're trying to do Lawler at two forty-five. And what's going on with Pons and EBO? We uh,
1: talk about this he, a little.
0: Yeah, he pulled out of his fight because he was supposed to fight... Yeah, wasn't he supposed yeah. to fight Lawler at 245? See,
1: this is tough because I'm, like, so high on Ponzinibbio, but, like...
0: He makes it hard to really kind of be a fan of his in that respect.
1: Yeah, he was supposed to fight Robbie Lawler in December.
0: Yeah, two. Yeah, uh, had... and then he yeah, had to it's pull not... out. It's, which really sucks. I mean, I was really looking forward to that fight. That's a great fight on paper. Like, Ponzinibbio...
1: He's, just, he's been active for the last year, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. He's,
1: he's, he's had these long stretches of inactivity, and that's, hurt, that's really hurt him while the division has continued to move.
0: Yeah, so, it really sucks because if you look at his streak, he's on, what, a seven-fight winning streak? It's dang, So: Yeah, he, he's got he a really could, good winning
1: streak. I mean, provided he's going to be ready, I mean, maybe you could do a fight with, because, look, Ponzi is due for a big fight. Maya would be a big fight for him at this point, would it not? Yeah, you could argue that. Because Maya's top ten, arguably a, a win over Aspirin puts him up higher, maybe nine or eight. Darren Till is still ranked number nine, even though he's moving up.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Darren Till should not be ranked to welterweight right now.
1: And um, like Ponzinibbio hasn't fought in almost a year, so so I, I think that fight would make sense. Let's see who else. Uh, Stephen Thompson, maybe
0: he could fight the winner of Thompson Luque because Thompson and Luque are fighting at two, four, four. I like the,
1: I like the Ponzinibbio idea better.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I like giving Ponzinibbio that again, another chance to maybe, you know, make a, get a, get in there with a recognizable name like that right. and give him a shot Ponzinibbio
1: at might, of,
0: I, Ponzinibbio
1: might be higher right now, but he hasn't fought in a long time. And yeah. still in the, And is still in the top 10.
0: So, uh, You know, you got Rafael Dos Anjos hanging out there.
1: Now, does Rafael Dos Anjos have a matchup?
0: I don't think. Why is he five? I love RDA, but he's like on a three-fight losing streak.
1: Yeah. Well, he lost to Liana. Okay, so there's Dos An- Yeah, You could do the dos-, so dos Anjos or Ponzinibbio is what I'd be yeah. thinking about. Or you could do Ponzinibbio versus Dos Anjos. That's another idea.
0: Yeah, that's another good idea. So
1: if you want to give Ponzinibbio someone beneath him, still in the top 10, it's Maya. Above him, it's Dos Años. And yeah, I agree. Dos Años probably shouldn't be number five
0: right now, probably. Ugh, rankings. Yeah. I hate, I hate the people in my place.
1: That's the rankings for you. Okay. Hey,
0: Anthony okay. Pettis is still a top 15 guy. He's only one and one in the division. Oh, God. All, All right. Co-main anyway. event, we have Stevie
1: Ray, Losing to an incredulous Michael Johnson. I guess
0: DV Ray defeats Michael Johnson via majority decision. The 19,
1: 1915
0: Michael Johnson. Oh, um, uh, Yeah, the scores
1: were. Was... say cut Michael Johnson at this point because I'm sorry if that sounds mean, Michael
0: Johnson, but man, you. continual disappointment for me. It's so weird when you think about Michael Johnson. For the record, the scores in this fight, there were two 29-28s for Stevie Ray uh, and then one 28-28 draw. Um, I don't hate 29-28 Ray. I think that's what I was officially. I don't hate 28-28 because uh, I think that would have given I think that gave Ray a 10-8 third. Can't remember which round. It was 28-28 a draw. No, twenty-nine twenty-nine would be a draw. No, twenty-eight twenty-eight would be a ten-eight first. No, that would be twenty-nine twenty-nine. Sorry, my math is all is all over the place trying to do this in my head. Um, I frankly would not have really objected too much to twenty-nine twenty-eight Johnson. Um again, that's not the way I went. But this fight largely came down to the first round. Uh Johnson had the second without too much controversy. Ray pretty clearly had the third. And the first was a close round. So, again, it it sucks that that happened again to Michael Johnson, but that's kind of what happened. I mean, Johnson is such a weird guy to get your head around because...
1: It annoys me how upset he was after that. Yeah,
0: left. he he was really, like, disproportionately upset about that decision. But I'm
1: like, when you have a close fight, and it goes to the judges, I feel like when it's that close, I feel like you only have yourself to blame, because In some did he ways, really yes. do that? Mu- did he really do that much to make, make it doubtless he
0: won? No, he I didn't. He did. I mean, again, Johnson's such a weird guy, because when he's on, he is one of the very best fighters in the world. That's somewhat unequivocal. Dude knocked out Dustin Poirier in 95 seconds. Uh, get, you know, pop quiz. There's only one guy who's... I gotta double-check this, actually. But, uh... Yeah, Tony Ferguson has lost to exactly... Well,
1: the guy who overperforms in some situations, and then just goes on these stretches where, he, where he's losing to guys he probably shouldn't even lose to. Okay, losing, losing Yagehi, Habib, but then Darren Elkins. Dar- okay, he, he drops the Featherweight, loses to Darren
0: Elkins. In a first round that he dominated. I mean, look, this is the only guy He's in the UFC the that's Elkins, beaten. A fight was winning. And he was winning the Josh Emmett fight before he got knocked out. I mean, this is the only guy in the UFC that's beaten Tony freaking Ferguson. It's Michael Johnson. He, that was I, a while back, but yeah, it's it's I don't uh, get it. I mean sure. It was again, I'm not it. it's not contemporary. It was 2012, but the one loss that but he Tony also Ferguson was. Yeah, he gave up an invert an inside heel hook to Paul Sass in three minutes. He beat the brakes off of Jonathan Brookins in the first round of the tough he, finale. Yeah, walked down Edson Barboza, knocked out Gleison Tibau, and then but okay. His, and in he, all fairness, he probably but, but his record sh- is nineteen
1: and fifteen. That's not a good record in my book.
0: It's not. And, and, and okay, in all fairness, the split decision he lost to Benil Dariush, um, that should have gone his way. Like that was a that was a bad decision. Okay, then fights Nate Diaz in a big spot has a good first round and proceeds to then just stop doing everything well, that led him to him. Win- that was, I think
1: that was a winnable fight for him, but he gave, oh, Diaz, yeah,
0: <laughs> he gave Diaz the fight. He, he He fought the way you should not fight Nate Diaz. I mean, it's like, it watch it watched the first round of that fight. Johnson wins the first round and then just stops doing what he should do. Rebounds by knocking out Dustin Poirier. And then, I mean, Poirier would go on to have a run up to the belt after that loss. I I I cannot for the life of me kind of get my head around Michael Johnson as a fighter because I don't know if it's mental. Sense.
1: I don't know if it's mental with him or, or what. But didn't he even have a decent showing, Khabib, in the first round?
0: Um, he had a good like ninety seconds to two minutes against Khabib.
1: Like he, he 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 did tag Khabib a couple times, didn't he?
0: Once or twice. It got overblown by commentary, but yeah. Okay. Very. He, yeah. he made contact. I will never forget, oh, you know, oh, Joe Rogan going, oh no, he's hurt, he's not. Habib is Habib is hittable. Yeah, Habib's defense is far from impervious, but all right, he just you know has a great chin and perseveres. And
1: okay, so uh, then we had um, Benil Dariush, basically criminally runs. Criminally underrated, criminally unsung, Benil Dariush. Yeah, largely underrated. Un- submission I- over Frank Camacho in the yeah. first round.
0: Benil Dariush, deeply underappreciated fighter. That's very true. Comes out, good body kicks, uh, some good punching combinations, gets things down, gets the back. Uh, He made this look easy. And Frank Camacho was not an easy fight. Because, look, Dariush came into the UFC undefeated.
1: Basically, he's been in the UFC almost six years. Um, And he's only lost... Four times, four times in the bloodiest, most shark infested division in the sport, in the yep, entire, yep. not the UFC in the entire sport. Yep. And he's won. I think this was his 11th career win. So for you to go 11 4 one in the lightweight division over six, over six years, and now he's on a three fight winning streak to me that you, you're not the best. You're not the best of the best. Maybe you're not the elite. But you're a pretty damn good fighter in my book, I think.
0: Oh, he is. He absolutely is.
1: And he had a, he had a bit of a skid. He had a bad stretch where he lost to Edson Barboza. And Barboza, we, you know, look, Barboza is a good fighter. He's a perennial choke artist. Don't get me wrong. He is a choke artist. But Barboza has the skill level where he can beat top guys and pull off amazing knockouts in almost any fight. So he lost to that. He he had a tough fight with Evan Dunham.
0: Well, he gassed so hard in that fight. It wasn't but... it
1: wasn't his best showing. And then he lost to Alexander Hernandez, who's who's also, I think, pretty underrated. He's a decent fighter. Um Hernandez you know, currently
0: ranked number fourteen.
1: He's and he's won his last like the, the Moises fight, like was nothing to write home about, but he's he's finished his last two fights by submission. He's due for a fight in the top 15 now, I think. Like, he was legit... At one point, I think he was legitimately in the top 10. Was he not? Before the Kiesa loss, probably?
0: If he wasn't in the top 10, he was very, very close to it.
1: Right. I feel like he was top 10 level when he went on that nice winning streak.
0: Yeah, because he and Kiesa were battling to basically break towards the top 5, I think. Right, right.
1: So... To me, he's a, he's a damn good fighter, a under, very underrated fighter. Oh, yeah. And he, he, looked, he looked like a million bucks in this fight.
0: Uh, look, Benil Daryush is a testament to what an unforgiving division lightweight is. Because you can be that good and still be under the radar, basically. Right. Um, I would actually give him the loser of Kevin Lee and Gregor Gillespie. Because that fight's coming up at. Because that's a that, cause that fight. Oh boy, I'm looking forward to that one. But the winner of that fight needs to be moving up in the world. But I think the loser and Daryush is probably a decent fight.
1: See, Olivera's is fighting Jared Gordon.
0: You could fight the winner of that. That's possible. Um, you could just do him and Islam Makachev. I mean, I don't even need preamble for that. That's a great fight.
1: Great fight. Good test. And it's a good test for market chat, too. Yeah.
0: So it, I I think he needs to be uh, fighting in that in that space now. Uh, he earned his way back. You know, three in a row at lightweight, two finishes. And again, Dober's not a world beater. Camacho's not a world beater. But he went out there and he performed. And With that's Garth the kind of things you need to do.
1: Example, like, he's a guy like who I think can lose, but you can't overlook him against any opponent in lightweight division.
0: No, he's always going to be a tough out. I,
1: I, I think lightweight is just one of those divisions where if you put, like, the top, you know, if you put number one against number 25 in a tournament, you could see some surprising upsets. It's that competitive.
0: Oh, yeah. You get guys coming into the UFC all the time at lightweight. That, uh will beat the brakes off of a ranked opponent. I mean, look at Alexander Hernandez unknown comes in on relatively short notice. And Darius was still ranked at the time and just, you know, again, blows him out of the water. I, th-
1: I think, I don't think it's any single reason. I think it's just the athleticism, the speed and the skill level that, that are sometimes that you can't always measure. You can't always measure just, you know, on paper alone.
0: Yeah, lightweight also exists at the, in terms of the body types that can compete in it, it appeals, it has like the largest right. possible pool of entrants worldwide. Right. And when you're talking about competitive athletics in the United States, by the time you get to people the size of guys who are competing at lightweight, there's not another competitive avenue right. for them.
1: It, like, like lightweight is almost kind of like that sweet spot, right?
0: Yeah. It's like
1: that Light- sweet spot weight.
0: You know the craziest thing, because I I know some people kind of get sore when you bring up the possibility of a 165 weight class. Yeah. Here's the reality of this, and I looked this up numerically. I saw this, and I think it's true. I, I haven't done all the math on it, but if you were to, say, bump up 170 to 175, make 165 and have 155, lightweight right now is the most populated weight class in the UFC in terms of number of bodies in the division. If you added 165, and again, even say you moved, one set, moved welterweight up five pounds, those three weight classes would be the three most populated weight classes in the UFC in terms of just number I'm of not people.
1: Really against the idea. I don't know why Dana White is fighting the idea so much because it would give them more. It would give them more titles, which he would probably love.
0: I don't know. Again, that, if you're going to add a weight class, that's the one that makes sense, just I numerically just, and logically.
1: Just because, you know, it seems like they could use the since they're so UFC is normally so bullish about the title fight being the main event uh, 244 notwithstanding. You know, it seems like they could use a couple more titles and th- this this would not be a division where it would get
0: too thinned out. Right. No, you again, that divi- all the. All three of those potential divisions would be fine. They could put Connor could get another belt. Connor could f- <laughs> he'd he could probably make it. He he'd come back. Like I want to fight for the inaugural belt. Yeah, shut up, Connor. <laughs> uh, all right, next up, this fight. Oh god, this fight. I'm torn on this fight because on the one hand, uh, okay, Cyril gone defeats Dante Maze via heel hook, four forty six of the third round. Gon is a legitimate heavyweight prospect, and I say prospect, not contender. I don't want to see this guy moving up. He's only like five and zero. I think this was his fifth win, but he's big. He's got powerful striking, so so there's there's force there, and he understands technique. He moves well. He does a bit. He does bits of shifting in his stances. He's uh, he's relatively light on his feet and. Again, this is, maybe he doesn't pan out, okay? Most prospects don't. But I think he's he's a guy you want to pay attention to. I mean, the finishing sequence made me sad because he gets this takedown into the guard of Mays, stands up and sits back for the leg lock. And this thing happens in slow motion. And Dante Mays is like kinda up on his hands on his and on his seat, watching this happen, and he's seeing it and he just kinda goes you know what, I'm going to stay right here. I just want to catch my breath, and then, oh, God, my my knee. Um, there's no effort made to control the far side leg, which you need in a proper heel hook. I mean, Maze does zero to actually defend this, and there's a few things Gon does, just doesn't do technically. But it worked, and I'm going to give him credit. Look, if you're, you know, 15 seconds away from assured victory on the scorecards, and he was, and he kind of decides, you know what, screw it, I'll try a leg lock. I can appreciate that mentality. So, Serial gone, genuine prospect at heavyweight. Again, might not pan out, but probably the, one of the better you know, raw prospects the division has right now. And I'm a sucker for a heel hook, even if it's a badly applied one. So, <laughs> it made me, again, it made me sad as someone who... Watches a lot of, you know, higher level grappling and you know, watches guys like, you know, Gordon Ryan and Gary Tonin, uh, Eddie Cummings and whatnot. And they get guys in, you know, a position much more technically refined than this. And the guy's actually defending properly. So nothing comes of it. But this is MMA, not jujitsu. And I, I get it. So good for gun who just needs again he needs to develop still there's a lot of rawness to him but it's heavyweight man they need all the legitimate prospects they can get at this point and he's one of them so good for him all right jeff anything nope all right and kicking off the main card good fight here uh if not for maya and Askren, this probably would have been fight of the night Muslim Salakov defeated Loriano Stardopoli via unanimous decision, 230-26 and 129-28. You know, believe it or not, I'm okay with the with all three of those. There was one round, I can't remember which one. Forgive me off the top of my head. I'd been up for many, many hours at this point. <laughs> when, in in coverage. So some of this is gonna be a bit foggy when I'm doing it from memory. There was one round that I thought maybe could have gone to Staropoli, and I didn't really have an issue with Salakov getting a 10-8. I think it was the third round. I want to say third, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Um, so I'm OK. Again, I'm not going to yell at any of the scorecards for this fight. It's I don't think it's worth the effort. Um, this was fun. This was kind of what I expected. Both guys are action fighters. They're strikers first and foremost. They... Came out, they did some... They both kicked each other a lot. They both tried wheel kicks. They both landed them at different points. Uh, Salikov, just a more technically proficient striker. Found more openings, landed better shots. And that's how it goes sometimes. But uh, entertaining fight, all things considered. Come on, you gotta have something for the king of kung fu, Jeff. Nope. Nothing for the sultan of spinning shit. I mean... (laughs) good for him the philosophical adversary of the diaz brothers muslim salikov (laughs) sorry jokes aside
1: (laughs) i mean we'll see where we'll see where he goes
0: yeah i i don't think he's gonna make a run at the belt or anything um he's just a little bit too old but he's doing well he's doing okay he's doing well so far yeah he had the rough debut fight against um Garcia, Alex Garcia, but he's won three in a row since then. He not finished two of those violently. Uh, he had a good long winning streak to get into the UFC. So, you know, I'm glad that he's getting paid. All right. As for the prelims, Randy Marcos defeated Ashley Yoder via split decision. No one cared. Um, Rafael Fiziev defeated Alex White, the unanimous decision, 129-28, 230 27s Fiziev put a beating on Alex White. Um, just better striker all the way around and punished him the entire fight. Movsarev Loev and Enrique Barzola had a great scrap. Um... Evloev wins via unanimous decision. 29-28, 130-27. I think I was 30-27. Um, these two, again, this is a great fight. Some really good jabbing. Uh, you could see Evloev's work kind of with Peter Yan paying off. He adopted some of those kind of same mannerisms and was landing again, landing good jabs, had some good upper body movement, superb wrestling from both gentlemen, uh, good takedown defense, good scrambles, uh pretty much everything you want in a fight. Really good fight. At heavyweight, Sergey Pavlovich defeated Maurice Green via TKO two minutes, 11 seconds into the first round. It's heavyweights. At least it ended quickly. Uh, Maurice Green was unhappy with the stoppage, but I think if all you look at is the final knockdown sequence, then maybe it's, you can argue it's early. Taken in consideration with the entire like five to ten second sequence that led up to it, I think the stoppage is perfectly fine. Uh, Loma Lukbunmi defeated Alexandra Albu via split decision. For the record, screw the judge that scored this for Albu. Uh, I don't know what you were smoking, buddy, but it must have impaired your ability. You must have gone brain dead for this fight. Um, I'm not saying Albu got, you know, completely blown out of the water. She had periods of success. She found, uh, she landed some decent right hands on occasion, uh, and she had bits of success in the clinch here and there. But again, just who won each round, it's Lukbun me, and it's not that close. Um Bunmi, an elite level Muay Thai fighter. Normally an atom weight. She's fighting up at straw weight. Uh there's again, there's a lot of her MMA game that needs to be adapted still. I mean, this is her first she's only like three and one, four and one now in MMA. But you know, you get you get someone who's really elite in one of the specialities in MMA, and they can do a lot with it. And she is very clearly an elite level Muay Thai fighter. And kicking everything off, Rafael Pessoa defeated Jeff Hughes via unanimous decision, thirty twenty-seven across the boards. It's a heavyweight fight that went the distance. What do you want me to say? It existed. All right, Jeff, that was UFC. Uh, any? Any burning desires from that group of prelims? Uh, Rhonda Marcos won a fight, so... Well, she lost the one before this, so yeah, of course she won this one. So she'll lose her next one. <laughs> if the pattern... <laughs> if past is prologue, that's what's happening. That's about it. Uh, yeah, again, on the whole, not a bad... Again, the fights that you looked at on paper and went, huh, that might be fun, were fun. Evloov and Barzola was a lot of fun. Uh, Salakoff and Poli was a good battle. Uh, I'm not complaining too much about this card. I will complain about the way I had to deal with it, because this thing started at 3.30 a.m. my time, and I'm just the kind of guy who would rather be conscious for longer than wake up earlier, so I just got to stay up for a really long period of time. That was fun. But, uh, thanks to anyone who read my coverage live of the report that's up right now in the MMA zone of 411mania.com. I appreciate it. Uh, I know this was not a very hyped event, but I appreciate that you guys read and comment. I, look, I've i said this before. I don't, I'm not fishing for comments in the sense that, please, please, please interact with me. I'm so insecure. But I don't really look, I don't have access to the traffic report for what I do. So if you want to, the only way I know anyone's there is through comments. So uh, I appreciate every, again. Look, and I don't care if you don't have anything to say. I've Lord knows I've done that. So I just appreciate you guys reading. So thank you very much. Okay. Again, normally at this point in time, we would go into talking about UFC 244 next week or this coming Saturday, but. We had a thing this week, and I think we have to talk about that first. So news breaks. Uh, what was it, Thursday? I can't remember if it was Thursday or Friday. Uh, what are those two? I'm trying uh, to.
1: Yeah, it was, li- it, was, it was in the second half of last week. Yeah. And I think it was I Friday. the 24th, it looks like, when it came out.
0: So okay, yeah, that would have been Thursday, I think. Then,
1: yeah, I think you're right.
0: Yeah, Thursday. Yeah, Nate Diaz mentions no. that he uh, posts on social media that he has failed a drug test, which is oh god, I, I'm I'm gonna yell at you, Sada, in a minute. I promise. Was it even a failure, or, or boy, wouldn't you like to know that there, if there was some kind of clear guidelines on that point? Ugh. Anyway, he comes out that he says, I failed a drug test. I'm not going to stay quiet about it. Clear my name and I won't be at. I'm, he denies it. Well, the he, US,
1: well, look, the UFC or USADA never said anything about this.
0: No, there was no. Yeah, this was Nate who was informed of adverse findings. And his response was and apparently he was the way he phrased it. And I don't have a problem believing but, but this. Like, but the UFC
1: and USADA technically weren't accusing him of failing a drug test yet. No. So let's, let's just use facts here and let's be honest without getting in, into hysterics.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm happy to do so. That's just what Nate said. Okay.
1: But, I mean, there are, fa- there are fallacies here in
0: what he's said. Now, well, sure, not- he is, pre- he is now, presenting I- his I- side of the argument.
1: I acknowledge that what Diaz here was probably very smart by putting it out in the public first, because no one because no one believes he's doping. You know, you look at him, you don't really. Diaz, for all intents and purposes, pra- passes the eye test for most people. So, it was very smart for him to put this out because. From Diaz's standpoint he has nothing to lose, right? So he's he does this and sort of puts it all on the UFC and
0: Usada. Yeah, he he so very was- publicly forced the UFC and Usada to make the next move as far as this goes right. rather than being reactionary. Um it's Okay, so here's what here's what ESPN
1: reported. According to the UFC the USADA, the the, the USADA set a uh, the USADA. Well, okay,
0: that's USADA, actually more correct.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, but I, I'm thinking if it's more correct if you say it out in full, the US Anti-Doping Agency.
0: Yeah, so, but because uh, it's because it's an acronym, not an not an initialization, you can just use it in a sentence.
1: Right. Set so a threshold on ligandrol. In late, in late August, after a rash of contaminated supplement cases involving SARM, that's uh, an acronym SARM, positives with its athletes, that decision occurred more than one month before Diaz's atypical finding, which apparently happened in October. The threshold is set at 100 picograms per milliliter, which Diaz tested well below. However, numerous athletic commissions, which also hold jurisdiction over mixed martial arts contests, have not yet set this uh, same threshold. The New York State Athletic Commission, for example, still has the right to hold a hearing on Diaz's case. The UFC chief business officer, Hunter Campbell, said it is not indicated it intends to do so.
0: Good on the New Uh, York State Athletic Commission.
1: uh, uh, There's a lot of gobbledygook here. Uh something about Neil Magny tested positive for low level of LGD4033. Only trace amounts were found. Uh, It's believed that uh, Magny ingested the substance from a tainted supplement. USADA cleared him to fight last month. Unlike Diaz, Magny was unable to produce the specific supplement that was contaminated. Diaz's team was Able to send supplements to the USADA uh, for testing at the World Anti-Doping uh, Doping Agency Certified Sports Medicine Research and Testing Lab in Salt Lake City. The supplements were tested Thursday night. So, in like two days, they turn this around.
0: Well, sort of. I
1: don't know how that's well, possible. I,
0: hang on, hang on, hang on. There, there's some of this that is... The timeline is a little bit fuzzy, and consequently it gets lumped in with when it was reported is when it happened. Again, the, the drug test in question occurred earlier this month. It says that
1: it's, it's no. It says right here, the supplements were tested Thursday night. Yeah,
0: Thursday. but he had, hang on. He had all, they were already aware of the adverse finding and had submitted them prior to Diaz's public statement. They submitted the supplements? I believe so.
1: But, but, but yeah, this is ESPN Robert. They're saying the supplements were
0: tested Thursday night. I am I have no doubt that is when the supplements in question were tested, the issue at hand is when they were acquired. Like if Diaz turned them over two weeks ago, then sure, they might then they would have already been in the laboratory. Could they have been expedited? Possibly. To be done overnight? Um I am ima- Again, I imagine they could. I'm not deeply familiar with all of the... I have a, I, I have a cursory Navins understanding said, some of the science, but... I, I'm forgetting
1: when, but I recall Jeff Novinsky one time saying that if you have a tainted supplement, it's your get-out-of-jail-free card or something.
0: Well, it's, it's an extenuating circumstance that should be considered. Uh, so Diaz
1: claimed... Diaz didn't... Here's what he didn't say. He didn't say he wasn't taking any supplements. He said, I only take whole food or natural food supplements.
0: So... Yeah, apparently the supplement in question uh, is a organically grown and processed vegan-friendly multivitamin from Whole Foods.
1: Well, apparently
0: not. Uh, Well, no, 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 that's how it... Again, however much you want to take that with... Is it a Whole Foods brand? I think so. I think that's what he said. Doesn't he have a big lawsuit
1: here against Whole Foods?
0: I don't know. Maybe.
1: I don't know. Jeff Bezos better get his crack legal team together right now. Don't you think?
0: Yeah. Again, some of that will depend on whether or not they want to pursue any sort of legal action. Some of it will depend on whether or not there's even a case there if you wanted to pursue litigation. What
1: confuses me is that that USADA was able to resolve this so quickly. That's a little questionable to me. And that's a little sketchy. I'm sorry.
0: Of course it is. USADA is a sketchy agency.
1: Well, my, here's, my other, here's my other point on this. You can't just blame USADA here.
0: I'm, I'm not only blaming USADA. The, people,
1: the same people who are getting so outraged right now about USADA are the same ones who were outraged when UFC did not have a random testing protocol in place.
0: Oh, okay. Or oh, remember when they started a little bit of random testing and suddenly everyone was failing and everyone got into their pearl clutching and duvet and you know, like fainting on the duvet about oh the NFL. drug problem Kevin, in the sport. Heaven Kevin forbid. Ioli.
1: Kevin Ioley and Dave Meltzer were, were all going nuts. I mean, yeah, the list it's
0: everybody. Like that list is longer than my and arm.
1: Fighters like like fighters were going on, uh on inside uh, inside MMA would be like over over half the fighters in the industry, or eighty percent of people, are cheating or are on PEDs.
0: I mean, and they still they, are.
1: under... They would, they would make clickbait headlines. So what do you, what do we what do we do? What do we what do you want to do here, Robert? Do we get do we get rid of USADA? Yes. Who is all right? So then, what do we
0: have? in... Okay. What, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. There's a couple of things that need to be really kind of parsed out here. One is that yeah, look the the reaction that we all had, and I will throw my hands up in the air and say, I am as guilty of this as everybody else. Okay. I am, I am not on a soapbox. here saying, no, this was all you me too. Okay. First and foremost, I was not on the low. I was not the lone guy on the Hill saying, no, you're all crazy. I was part of the mob. All right. I'm going to, I'll own it. That was on me and you and me. That's on everybody. We all did it like that. That was a bit of, you know, I don't think I ever got hysterical the way some people did, but, I said it was a problem. I didn't have a, I was somewhat in favor of USAT, bringing USADA on board when they announced it. Uh, so again, this was, I, you know, my hands are not clean as far as this goes.
1: But my problem is, is that people now, like people are acting like they never wanted this and they never were asking for this in the first place.
0: Yeah. Anybody claiming what that? Like, what
1: have you done? Well, what have you done? You you wanted this. You this is what. I'm sorry, people. This is what you wanted and we're asking for. You wanted year-round random drug testing. You wanted a clean sport. You wanted to level the playing field. How do you do that and make it fair?
0: I don't know. Is it even possible? No. Oh, there there is no such. Uh, I have to. I have to tell this to kids in my uh, my studio on occasion where I kind of help teach sometimes there's let's just dismiss the notion of a fair fight it doesn't exist there is no such thing unless you're fighting your identical twin there is no such thing as a fair fight well and, i mean so what so what advantages argument. or disadvantages sure. are you going to allow but people would use the
1: argument like in baseball you're your your hitting a ball with a stick in, in, in combat sports, you're actually like knocking people out and endangering your life.
0: So, which again, that's, that's the generalized argument that gets brought up. But Dana White has used that argument. Yeah. And Dana White, Dana White
1: has like, I think Dana White, part of the problem with him was when TR- when everyone was going crazy about TRT. After that became a huge thing when when that came out, Chill Sonnen basically like opened Pandora's box on TRT, and then and then Vitor Belfort became the poster child for TRT, and then and then Dana White said came out and said he du- you know TR he basically said TRT is cheating, but then he continued Dana White continued basically giving it out to. To, you know, the the top UFC stars who were who who were out and out using TRT, and we knew they were using TRT after it became a known fact. Correct. So I'm like, I get that Dana White's a promoter, but it it seemed like he he came out against TRT and then was giving guys a pass who were deaf who were definitively publicly using it, which which to me was. You know, you talk about bad optics with Greg Hardy. To me, that whole TRT thing was bad optics.
0: Well, it, for the record, if you want to use the argument that because people are fighting in a cage, maybe the standard should be different. I am not in favor of no drug testing. I want to make this clear. I'm not. It, to me, it's simply not clear what the what the best solution is just yet. Do there you are want
1: commissions to do it. Do you want? Uh, I don't know. Where? They can well
0: before, h- hang on, hang on,
1: let me or you saw it like every once in a while, like commissions would have random tests, or or the UFC would finance you saw testing a little bit. UFC would conduct, we there was a spate at one time when, um, UFC would have fights out of the country where it was only UFC regulating, where they would we have a lot that. of. Tr- a lot of drug test failures a lot when it preused this was pre-usada though i remember like years ago there was a time where you'd almost hear every event like a fighter would fail a drug test that uh, that was not uh regulated by a commission basically where it was the ufc it was the ufc uh doing the testing i don't know like who they were commissioning to do it but they were doing testing at one point
0: yeah and. Um- as far as again, what kind of what do I want to see? Uh, I don't know. It's it's a rough thing because for some reason, and I'm not sure at what point these two wires got crossed. Okay. We want we for some reason think that fighting should be treated with a from a like perceptive standpoint, the same way that we think about like the olympics and amateur sport testing which is a oh god don't get what me about
1: what about professional sports where there are where there are, where granted there are unions and player associations uh,
0: this is the real i think this is kind of the real takeaway let's consider for a moment you know the nfl or the nba or the uh, since baseball's going on you know the baseball look at what those guys do like mm-hmm. for a living physically yeah you think they're not using of course I mean, they're using
1: I mean, guys fail I mean, drug tests and all may, they still do, it happens
0: Yeah But, I, but, but here, oh have, man, here's the also, reality They're also
1: unionized and they have associations that agree on fines and punishments as well
0: Which would be a huge step forward for
1: fighters I think,
0: and again, here's the other thing
1: the, It would be I, a step forward if fighters had a say in how the testing was done, I agree with that
0: that I, I mean unequivocally, like <laughs> the, the the stuff got thrown on them. Usada got unilaterally imposed onto the fighters, and and look, well, I'm not but saying- I
1: mean, but I mean, but I say in response to that, I say, well, if we have fighters actually, you know, going on HDNet and complaining about it and saying it's a, it's rampant and over-happy, then we shouldn't take them at their word anyway. And if MMA reporters are, are in the in the media are saying that too and enforcing that then why should we you know then we sh- if we want to if you to me you can't have it both ways you know you can't have there is
0: no prof- there is no uh player or fighter here but i feel like there isn't well hang on there is no sports uh, there is no players association in any sport in the world that would agree to bring a usada like program into their sport. Right. None. Absolutely none. Again, it's it's somewhat unilaterally USADA, imposed on the amateur athletes.
1: Usada was founded by, by the US Paralympic
0: Committee. Again, every Paralympic. like most most major nations have a US, have a usada equivalent because the IOC kind of mandates it.
1: Okay. So is, is, is USADA not a division of the IOC, is what you're telling me?
0: I don't... Again, I have to look up the specific organization. The US Olympic Committee.
1: Because that's what their Wikipedia page basically
0: says. I, again, I think that's what... I, I do believe that's kind of where they were founded as far as that goes. But, uh, again, they're also not... Uh, they're also not, you know, cheap. And the UFC is paying for all of
1: this. I feel like there are... Questions here that still need to be answered about what happened with Tom Lawler and Frank Mir. Just Look, in I'll tell I, you what happened
0: to Tom Lawler.
1: Kavitsky, I feel, has never properly addressed. Now maybe, and let me say, there could be valid explanations for what happened to Tom Lawler and Frank Mir and, and Machita, but I don't feel like they've been answered properly.
0: I'm I feel pretty confident telling you what happened to Lawler. He just was the subject of draconian practices before they evolved. Like by the time Tom, by the time Tom Lawler's two year suspension was up, the practice of USADA was a six month suspension for the identical situation that he found himself in two years prior.
1: But Josh Barnett, Josh Barnett. And I'm not saying Josh Barnett is a choir boy here because he has messed up
0: a lot. He's, it, by his own admission, he's not a choir boy. But this latest
1: instance, apparent based on Usada, he did nothing wrong, basically. But he was still out of fighting for a year and a half, trying to get this resolved. And I, I mean, is that? I mean, I'm not sure that's right.
0: It's not. It, and, by most, by most. Standards and I don't
1: is. think. Here's my other. Are fighters, did fighter, if fighters want, I don't think fighters should have to pay for any of this either, unless they're found unequivocally guilty. Like, I, like, if the, do they have to pay for the supplement oh, testing? Oh, yeah. Why do the fighters have to pay? H- have
0: you, because they because USADA has no, has no interest in the truth of the situation.
1: But isn't UFC paying for the USADA testing? So I'm sure. Not,
0: the Uf- look, not no, no, no. The-
1: why why why, when this comes up, why a fighter has to pay for the testing of the supplements? That makes no sense
0: because you're reimposing a new set of testing onto the laboratory. It's not properly scheduled out and and look, you think the UFC cares? You think the UFC cares
1: that Tom Lawler I mean, failed a drug test and got railroaded? I mean, the UFC didn't care when guys were failing random
0: tests. No, honestly. they don't. No, they don't. It was, it was, it was, it was Joe MMA fan. Yeah, no, look, the UFC is we, not going to foot the bill for a fighter well, to well, try and prove their innocence. They're just not. They should. Maybe.
1: There should be, to me, there should be like a fu- like there should be resources here.
0: I mean, did you oh, hang on? Did you hear what uh, Frank Muir mentioned about that in that in loosely that same vein?
1: No. Because, what did he say?
0: And the, uh, th- there's transcripts of this. I think I forget what I think it was on Joe Rogan, but it was on some podcast, if not Joe Rogan, might have been Shales. But he was asked about his experience with USADA because he had that failed drug test, and he details you know, the uh, what a clown fiesta it was in many respects. And he closed by mentioning that he had personally spent. What was it like? I can't remember if it was ten dollars or $30,000. Right. And then he kind of closed by mentioning, and I know for a fact that, you know, John Jones has paid a lot more than I have doing the, basically the same thing. Well, John Jones is part... Partially- well, and, well and, uh, this is, that's not to say John's a choir boy, okay? This is not, oh, poor John Jones. But the circumstance that's currently situated with USADA, if you can't pay to fight those rulings and whatnot, you can't fight them. Because a lot of that is just what you can
1: would that That's something that would have to be that has to be changed. If I were to change something about any of this.
0: You know what? Um, I, I think there's a few things that, again, that should happen. One, I would like a fighters some collective bargaining representing the fighters to actually be involved in the discussion. I think that's paramount. Okay. Because otherwise, I mean, there's a serious question well, the about the ethics is gonna, of It's
1: going to run to that type of change. So, well, again, the UFC is not going to like look. it. The but... fi- if the fighters want that, they have to get
0: that themselves. Yeah. That again, that's on them. I am not. At this point, it is abundantly clear through multiple iterations of essentially the same circumstance across, again, multiple iterations, multiple decades. This is the best scenario this is the best scenario for you and if they're not going to try and make it happen I can't I mean you me nobody else can do it on their behalf they're the not going to do it
1: what, Does the UFC stay with Usada
0: If not presented with a viable alternative they will Okay Here's the thing about this is the other thing what about Usada their,
1: Do you know what their current contract standing is
0: I do not off the top of my head Here's one of the things about USADA that you have about the UFC bringing them in that you have to understand. And this is everybody.
1: Oh, they were in December, 2018.
0: I, yeah, I don't know for how long, I don't know how long it goes for, you know, uh, the UFC brought in USADA, not in, in some grand moral gesture to clean up the sport. They brought them in so they could have essentially liability insurance. Because God forbid somebody dies in the cage. And if the UF, and again, it is hang on. That's not the only reason. No, no, not the, this is not the only reason, but come on. I I think it is the primary consideration. They're willing to spend this money so that if some catastrophic.
1: They're already testing fighters.
0: Sure. But look at the, but again, some of this is brought on, and let me be clear. Some of this was incentivized by the reaction of the fan base and the media. More than some. Uh, okay. However much you want to ascribe to it. I'm not going to debate the... I
1: would say it was at least half the reason.
0: Sure. I'll buy that. The UFC needed some kind of, again, some kind of insurance you know, policy.
1: It, yes. An insurance policy because they were they were rapidly expanding and... And again, but look, but look this new, the news got announced hot off the heels of what happened with Anderson Silva.
0: Yeah, that too. And again, I think the UFC is primarily trying to inure themselves from culpability when someone gets catastrophically injured. I mean, look, look
1: before and before you saw it, people were also complaining about marijuana, and you saw that it doesn't test for that. Out of comp, out of competition. Which they
0: shouldn't. There's no reason to.
1: Right, I I agree, and they don't. So they got that right
0: at least. Again, there's elements of scientific literacy within USADA that vastly outstrip certain commissions. Uh, That's unequivocally true. Okay. But again, they were brought in primarily as a stopgap against backlash should somebody. I mean, look. Say say somebody, you know, is catastrophically injured or dies in the UFC cage. That's a terrible thing. I am not wishing for this. Let me be very, very clear about this. But if it repeated over enough iterations, it's going to happen. And if the person who kills someone else then fails a drug test, imagine the UFC needs some kind of stopgap in place from both a legal liability standpoint and a public relations liability standpoint.
1: I will say what Diaz did here was like some 3D chess or something because to, to, to make a statement like that
0: publicly is very risky, but it paid off for him in dividends. In 48 hours, he got USADA to bend over backwards and admit he did nothing wrong. You know what? Good for him.
1: But they never really say he did anything wrong in the first place, but he did kind of he did kind of, like he. What this did was it kind of got the pub, court of public opinion on his side, and then a day later, Dana White tweeted, "The fight is on. I 100% knew Nate wasn't it taking anything to cheat So, and,
0: and here's the other thing about, uh, and this deals with, a little bit with the USADA thing. USADA is an opaque organization. Uh, any transparency you're able to get out of them, you have to. Pull, is like pulling teeth. I
1: mean, they were transparent at first.
0: And they gave the appearance of transparency.
1: All right. I, I, by which I mean, uh, either There's not enough transparency right now. And I think Jeff Nowinski is the VP of athlete health and safety. What a he works for. He works for the UFC. He does work for the UFC. Yeah. He's not, Jeff Nowinski has not done an adequate job to answer a lot of these burning questions. Not even close. I, I, mean, mean, he's I mean, again, not for, the... for the USADA, he works for the UFC. He needs to do a better job to mediate and just talk about this, and he hasn't.
0: Even when he was on Joe Rogan, I, I felt oh like... Oh my, that, I have, look, He the was only saw other... a lot. The only other time I saw someone on the Joe Rogan Experience waste that much time saying nothing was Jack Dorsey.
1: All right, and here's my thing about Frank Muir. Frank Mirra could be lying, Robert, or he could be heavily skewing his statements. You can't deny that's outside the realm of possibility.
0: It's within the realm of possibility, but nothing he said falls with, but nothing he said in that Robert, statement fell outside. My, my problem is
1: know. only gotten his side to all of that. Like, there could be, my point is there could be logical explanations to all of this, but Novinsky has not helped his case by responding to these things. I'm sorry. No, he hasn't. And look, here's here's the other part of the reality of this. It's kind of just... like it's kind of like this ABC News thing. The defenders of ABC News, like people said it. What like what they did was not intentional and was not fake news. They had defenders, right? The Kentucky, the Kentucky gun show.
0: Yeah, I've talked like, a little bit about and it. And
1: like some commentators were like. ABC, they should explain this and explain what happened and how, how this happened, and they have not had one peep about how the mistake happened. Not one peep.
0: So that's a problem. Yeah, and I, I think part of the reason if there's there a ha-
1: mistake here, like, or if there's not a mistake, come, come out and talk about it and, and explain step by step how you reach these conclusions. I don't, I don't think that's a lot to ask of Jeff Nowitzki.
0: I mean some, some of it depends on again how much he actually knows relative to USADA's process and practices. He, they don't his, they don't want is, to admit This look, is his purview he should know. He should. Some of it, yes. Some of it might be lot, proprietary. No, a, hang on, hang on. A lot, if not all. Some of it some of it might be proprietary to USADA itself that they're not going and his information they're not going to give to an employee of an organization that they're doing testing for.
1: Did, I, I feel like this goes against what they promised when they started the program.
0: Uh, I, there was no promise, <laughs> like they just brought it in. There was no, uh, well, I mean, look, they don't want to acknowledge the fact that the science they're dealing with is not hard.
1: And there are too many loophole. There, there are too many new loopholes in their policies. It looks like. I mean, there, are two, there, are two, there are a lot of inconsistencies that expl- just explain them. If there is a logical reason and explanation, explain it. I'm sorry. I don't think I don't think you're giving away se- state secrets and proprietary information by explaining some of these question- valid questions that are being
0: asked. Uh, so Again, some of that will depend on how they arrive at it. It, it might be. I'm I'm other, than that, it is.
1: other than that, I'm, I'm simply asking for some hindsight for the people who are being outraged.
0: Yeah, would be nice if all the people now going, boy, you saw the sucks to rem- just remember what your reaction was, guys. And again, I'm happy to throw myself in there. Like, that was I was uh, I have now lived and learned and I think we've well, I'm not, down the I'm wrong not path.
1: My, I'm not throwing myself in there. Because I'm like the commissions are doing it, the UFC is doing it. This is what they rule. This, these are the rules. Yeah, and again, there's people said it wasn't good enough, and the sport was dirty. So
0: whatever, it's sport. Sports always dirty. Guys, get over it.
1: Well, people can't get over it. Uh, I'm not, but I'm not lumping myself in with that group.
0: I mean again, we're dealing with science that isn't necessarily. I'm not, not
1: anti PID. I'm just you know, if those are the rules and you break the rules and you get caught, it's it's on you. That was that's always my general philosophy. I don't think we I don't think we really needed USADA. And now we have USADA and now people are angry. Like Lou Thomas.
0: Among others. Thomas, I mean, Luke,
1: I mean, Thomas is, Luke Thomas is all, I want to see excellence. doesn't care about PEDs. Which, eh, he was the, not outspoken. But pre-USADI, he was never outspoken about that. Never. Well,
0: hey, look, circumstances now pro, change. Now he's
1: basically pro-PEDs.
0: Hey, look, there were a lot of people who thought the communists overthrowing the czars in Russia were a good idea. Circumstances well, change.
1: Okay. I think uh, we can get... All right, now that we've had our we've had our unload we've had our um talk about this i think we can get now now that the fight appears to be on as it was never
0: as, <laughs> apparently it was never technically off well
1: it's safely on for now so now we can get into it we
0: have you know five more days of potentially things going haywire true that's all hope that's so, all hope not but i'd be remiss not to acknowledge the possibility he is APS- George Masvidal is
1: still on for now at New York City.
0: Hang on. The last thing I want to mention about uh, USADA sure. very, very briefly, sure. um, the science that they're utilizing is not nearly as subtle as people like to think it is. Their practices are constantly in flux. I mean, again, they mentioned in the wake of this that, well, we've been we've implemented a threshold policy since August. There's at least one reporter I know who who because he mentioned this and I read his stuff that he asked them sometime in August if they were uh, going to, you know, change their policy, and they said no. So there's again, there is very little transparency here. This is not an organization who fundamentally has the fighters' best interests in in mind first and foremost. They're not paid by the fighters; they're paid by the UFC. Well,
1: they are paid by the fighters if they do the testing. The if the,
0: if the fighters have to basically buy and out you know however much time of the people involved, yeah. But you know, the contract the U- the contract Usada has is not with the fighters. It's with okay. the UFC.
1: Is this like the science of uh of enhanced interrogations like in that movie The
0: Report? I don't know. Uh, enhanced interrogation's a weird topic anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this movie but, I the movie this movie
1: I saw with Adam Driver called The Report about about the um
0: uh, Guantanamo uh, Bay, right? It's commi- what? It, it stemmed from uh, Guantanamo Bay, where they were given permission to use "quote unquote" enhanced interrogation methods, which was a loose terminology applied to a series just, of uh, a series of, for want of a better expression, it was
1: more like the whole enhanced interrogation program for the Bush administration, not just because of Guantanamo. Mm.
0: Just yeah, like, yeah. There, wasn't it like the the head of the CIA or something who kind of signed off on a report that here there here's these things that are basically torture, but for legal uh, for legal and like lingu- linguistic purposes might fall outside the bounds of like it's not just yelling at you with a light in your face for uh, you know a la interrogation, and it's not you know they they did, you that, well, they
1: did have they did have like lawyers sign off on their program to. How they avoid the whole legal definition of torture, even though it's basically for all intents and purposes torture. But but the reason I I I mention this is like you know the science they're using, and then in in the movie, like they talk about does the science back it up? Does does and they're like yes, and they're like what's not and like what science? I'm a psychologist.
0: The vast, and then, the and vast then, but, majority of the scientific community has, by this point in time, acknowledged that torture is deeply inefficient. Right. People will be people, people. being tortured will tell you what they think you want to hear just to get it to stop.
1: Right, but then they're like, what's going on? What's happening here? Well, he's a true resistor. And it's an interesting movie. I would recommend everyone go see
0: it. Uh, well, my again, my thing about that is more that... For the longest time with certain uh, compounds and uh, PEDs and whatnot, they had a very specific half life within the human body. So you could backtrack them very easily. Right. Most of the stuff we're dealing with now does not conform to that. This again, this is one of the things that Frank Mir mentioned, and however much salt you want to take this with, fair enough. That he was told initially for this to pop up into your system, it must have fallen, well, you must have taken it like, hang on, hang on
1: Frank Mir. Do you directly want to take Frank Muir at his work? I don't know,
0: but I know that he's not the only he's, one that this has my, happened.
1: My problem with Frank Mir is no one's asked him the hard questions. That's my problem with Frank Muir. Everyone, when everyone talks to Frank Muir, they always ask him the questions from a presumption of innocence. Which is fine and all, but like they don't ask him, did you ever take anything? I've never heard anyone ask him that, ever. Not Ariel Hawani, not his co-host, not Joe Rogan, no one.
0: That's a fair question. I mean, well, I mean, I as, I mean look, at some point in his career, I assume says, he has. Oh, I feel like, like,
1: let him say that, you know? Why is... I mean, Mark Hunt is convinced he's a doper.
0: It would not shock me if Frank Mir has points in his life utilized... Various substances. I mean, the man bulked up 20 pounds in a very very short well, period of time.
1: His career where I thought his body looked very suspicious, and he was a TRT user.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, we all we all joke. We occasionally talk about you know suspicious body types. Look at the difference in Frank Mir's physiology from the first Brock Lesnar fight to the second.
1: Frank Muir is not an old man. He's only 40 right now. Um, he was using TRT. Back in 2012, when he was not even 33 years old, that's that's suspicious. Based on based on what the medical experts were saying at the time, that was suspicious.
0: Yeah, but uh, again, the point being, there's a lot of these things that we don't really understand. All the half life, all the excretion rates. Usad has now put forward their pulsing hypothesis and at best it's a hypothesis it's not even been proved it's not even been sustained via evidence enough to support it being right, a theory move. i
1: want to move on i want to move on from usada because we could we could talk about this for five hours i think
0: yeah okay. so anyway again point being yeah. you saw to get your, mo-
1: you saw mostly- point being you saw to get your act together jeff nowitzki get your act together or i'm going to ask you to resign how about that
0: you know, you asked what I'd like to see. I think there's a couple of things. Again, one, I'd like a fighters association. I think a reasonable thing would be, and you, and this, bear in mind, this does have to be voluntary because it's in the name of the group, but VADA, the Voluntary Anti-Doping Association, which does not impose, it's not a sanctioning body. It doesn't impose fines. It is literally just testing. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would like to think that if you could get. I heard you know, UFC doesn't like VADA. You just sort of the UFC doesn't like them because then they'd have to come up with their own guidelines for punishment. Because VOD is not going to say, Oh, you tested right. positive for X. Here's, your, here's how long you should be suspended for. All right. They just say, Hey, you tested, po- here's what came back in your test. Do with that what you will. And the UFC does not want the responsibility it, of that. It, the, uh,
1: uh, I don't know. I don't know the proper way to fix this, but.
0: Well, I, I, I think again. I, I mean,
1: like being fighters to say uh, over over the fines, punishment, and testing. I think would be would help, but I don't think UFC is going to allow that.
0: Well, I mean, they will if the fighters actually get together. But that's a uh, that's you know, a whole a whole other, whole other thing. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Again, I think you get but... them together. I think if you could get all the fighters to you know voluntarily agree to be part of VADA and have them and have the association and the UFC kind of come up with what substances they wish to consider banned, what levels they want to consider banned or unsafe. And if those two parties all agree with full buy-in from all parties present, the fans will get on board. The fans don't care one iota about the drug testing policy in any other sport, well, in any other professional sport. Clear about that. Like no one cares in the NFL when someone fails a drug test. No one cares in the NBA. It doesn't really happen in the NBA, even. You think it's because people aren't using? Look at what NBA f- players do to their bodies. Look at the size of those guys. You bet your ass they're using stuff. And you know what? I don't care. It, it, everyone knows what's on the table as far as that we'll goes. failed drug tests in the NBA? Very, very infrequently. Deandre
1: uh, Aiton, 25-game suspension for failed drug tests.
0: It's a deeply infrequent thing relative to the number of players and the number of games.
1: Okay. Not saying it, not I saying mean, it never happens. I mean, there's a lot of basketball. Ga- I mean, I mean basketball and baseball are much longer seasons and much more games.
0: Yeah, they're they're grueling, man. I've played basketball. In
1: MMA, you might fight like once a year if you're, you know, a top guy.
0: Sure. There's also the training riddle in yeah. MMA. That's but but again. It, that's, right, i, I'm I I'm just like everyone – well, let me finish my You're point. killing me here. Let me finish my point and we'll move on. Uh, again, it, I just want everyone to kind of agree to the terms that we're all going to com- go by and not have stuff unilaterally forced. And I'll go along with it. And look, if I think your drug testing policy is BS, I, I'm happy to say that. But I'm also happy to kind of go along with, all right, if this is the buy-in everyone agrees on – Let the fan base decide whether or not what they're going to do about it. Again, the NFL, no one cares. The NBA, no one cares. People care. Uh, Sure. Okay. When I say no one, that's not literal no one. The vast majority of people do not care. They're happy to watch the sport. And I would bet almost anything that the MMA fan base would follow that pattern.
1: I think you're ignoring the hysteria over Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, and all those. Dudes. I remember those. There were congressional uh, hearings. Yeah,
0: which was a giant waste of taxpayer time. It was,
1: it was but to say no one cared is a massive. No resentment.
0: one's cared in- Okay, no one's cared in 20 years. <laughs> all
1: right, let's move- I want to move on. Let's talk about the actual fight.
0: Yeah, all right, so yeah. moving on to UFC 244.
1: Uh, I'm picking Nate
0: Diaz. Yeah. Jorge Masvidal, Nate Diaz in your main event. This is a great fight. Let's start with the obvious. Uh,
1: fan perspective from an action perspective on paper. It's a great fight. However, uh, I have to say sometimes fights like this, that on paper look like barn burners have turned out to be awful. It doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen.
0: It does happen on occasion. We would, yeah, it. I have a hard time imagining it with these two participants, but it would not be the first time ever that that had happened. Hmm. So who I think is going to win? I'm kind of leaning towards Mosvedal at the moment. Okay. I mean, Masvidal, his, pa- his power, like... We, his, his power combined with Nate's utter lack of defense. <laughs> like Nate's defense is, boy, that didn't really hurt. Hit me again. But Diaz is really good at just
1: taking, making guys fight the way he wants them to. He's good at that. He's
0: There's a couple of underrated elements of Nate's game that everyone likes to forget about. Uh, he's good in the clinch. That's where he does a surprisingly high amount of his work is getting you in the clinch. He's got good knees from that position. He's good about uh, getting you on the fence. He's this is a weird thing to say, because while Nate is susceptible to leg kicks, he's also not the worst when it comes to finding a way to deal with them. Uh, He's again, he's not going to check every leg kick you throw at him, but he'll check a couple and that and will dissuade you. I mean, he broke Anthony Pettis's foot checking a leg kick you can beat it. you can use leg kicks to substantially affect him but it's not as simple as everyone seems to make it out to be well i'll go out there and I'll throw leg kicks eh, that's not the best like that has to be part of your plan not your plan um both guys can fight for 5 rounds we've seen both of them do it i think diaz's propensity to Where damage might be a bit of a problem for him in this fight. Because Nate gets busted up in fights more often than not. And Mosfidal will put damage on you. Um... mosfidal has got a good kicking game. He doesn't use it all the time, but I think he will in this instance. He's not got to worry as much about being taken down. Um... Nate doesn't have the best, like, wrestling takedowns, but his will work when they, especially if they surprise you. I mean, he got uh, Pettis with a couple of them just because he surprised him with them more than anything. He's pretty good. Again, he's good in the clinch. He's got, he doesn't have the best throws or trip game, but he just works you in the clinch very well. Uh, A lot of his boxing, especially kind of his one-twos, if you engage him at the proper distance, he will overextend and lean for those. He also gets very frustrated very easily in the fight, and Masvidal might fight him in such a way that will frustrate him, and he can then capitalize on it. Um, yeah, this is a this is a really fan friendly fight. I am looking forward to it. I hope it holds together. And I will not let me be clear. I won't be shocked if Nate Diaz wins at all. He's a really good fighter. But I'm just I'm leaning a little bit towards Mosvidal right now, and I just hope nothing else crazy happens in the over the next couple of days because I want these two to get in the cage and fight. So you mentioned you were leaning towards Nate. Uh, I apologize if I cut you off there. Uh, what else did we, What else did you have on this one?
1: Um, just in a broad in a long drawn out brawl, I tend to favor Nate DS. Um. Diaz does have a lot of like opening and weaknesses, but like he's not a guy you can. Re- he's like not a guy that just goes away.
0: He's no. Got to- if you have to put him away, if you can.
1: <laughs> when was when was he actually knocked out before?
0: Uh Josh Thompson. Okay. Which was a lot, which was several years ago. Thompson did a lot of circling, a lot of very effective clinch breaking, and it took like two or three full on head kicks to knock him out. But I think that's the only time he's been finished via strikes. When
1: was, so how many years ago was that?
0: Oh, geez. Uh, that was in 2013. Like Benson Henderson
1: like decisively beat Diaz and gave him gave him everything he had
0: and that was not a close but, fight numerically. Or no, but Diaz cards.
1: never went away, but Diaz never went away in that fight.
0: Um yeah, the 50-43 score for Benson Henderson was more accurate than 50-45.
1: trying to find, I'm just trying to find the fighty law like when that was.
0: I mean, both Rory oh, McDonald so and Dunn
1: 2013. Yeah, I it's said that. It's been quite a while. Like, I feel like he's not a guy who's just going to go away against Mosfidal. And I don't oh. see Mosfidal connecting with that one solid shot to just drop him, you know? And I think, in terms of their boxing, I think I might put Diaz probably above Mosfidal in terms of just actual boxing and striking skill in kickboxing. Diaz is also very good off of his back. That's another thing. And he's a very underrated grappler. He knows how to grapple.
0: If these two actually go to the mat, that will be extremely interesting for me. Uh, because, again, Diaz is a great, great jiu-jitsu practitioner. And Masvidal's wrestling and jiu-jitsu acumen gets slept on a lot.
1: Now, if Masvidal wants to beat Diaz, the blueprint's there. Like, Diaz is not... I don't want to say he's a hard guy to beat, but he, he's, he's not unbeatable.
0: I mean, his record yeah, he, proves it. He occupies this weird space where, again, <clears throat> like you said, the blueprint is kind of there. It's just really hard to do.
1: But it's, it's possible. And I mean, he's lost 11 times. So he has nine losses inside the UFC. To me, that's not the greatest record.
0: You know? Um, I mean, he's still got less losses in the UFC than B.J. Patton. Right. Well, uh, <laughs> Sorry, well, I couldn't, help, I, couldn't I, help
1: myself. Just makes me angry. It doesn't even make me laugh. Um, yeah, I just think Diaz is going to take all out of his comfort zone. He's going to make it a long, drown out brawl. And I think if that happens, it's going to favor Diaz.
0: I think the sloppier this gets, the more it favors Diaz. Absolutely. I would
1: agree with that. Um, I I don't think I'm not like emphatically for Diaz winning. Like I can see Masvidal winning this, but if if it's going to be a long sloppy brawl, I favor Diaz.
0: Yeah. Again, for me, part of the interest is what happens the longer this fight goes, because both guys have proven multiple times they can fight for five rounds. And. The longer this goes, the longer it stays technical, the more it favors Mosfidal. But again, the sloppier it gets, the more I tend to think Diaz keeps coming on strong. So, again, great fight. Really looking forward to it. Also on this card, I'm looking forward to the co-main event. Darren Till moving up to middleweight to challenge another former welterweight, Kelvin Gastelum. Um... I'm picking Kelvin Gastelum. I don't know what else to say. Like Gastelum went life and death in a hell of a fight with the best middleweight in the world. And has only lost twice at middleweight. Once to wide men, once to Adesanya. He's beaten some really talented guys. And Darren Till at middleweight is an interesting, it's where I want him to fight. I think his I think he tended to kind of fall in love with the notion that he was a very powerful striker. And while he does have... A crazy matchup for him for his first middleweight fight. This, yeah, this is a big ask for him. Uh, because I think Darren Till's biggest advantage at welterweight even was not his power, but his speed. He had very fast hands. And the ability to kind of spring into distance, land something you didn't see coming, and then retreat to avoid counters, just caught a lot of people off guard, and you couple that with the fact that, again, I'm not saying he has bad power, he has very good power, but the notion that, again, like, if you see his punches coming can adequately prepare for them, they're not nearly as damaging. At middleweight, he's going to be trying to exacerbate his speed advantage more often than not. Unfortunately, he's fighting a guy who prior to fighting Adesanya, like, wasn't knocked down, has a really, I mean, Gastelum's chin is incredible. Gastelum has incredible hand speed of his own. Gastelum's a little bit hard to hit. Like, he made Adesanya miss a lot. And he's got good head movement. Thudding power of his own. Good wrestling if he chooses to use it. This is a real tall order for Darren Till. If Darren Till's going to win, it's going to be because he catches him early, I think. Which is not outside the realm of possibility. But I'm picking Gastelum, and I am also looking forward to this. There's only one fight on this main card I am not looking forward to. So I'm leaning towards Gastelum. Really good fight. Um, I hope Till sticks around it middleweight, win, lose, or draw after this bout.
1: Uh, Gastelum. Till is one of the most overhyped fighters in history. He was out of his depth against Tyron Woodley. He shouldn't have been in that fight. I don't I mean, think I, he's been in this fight for his I mean, first fight at middleweight.
0: Yeah, it's a big one. I mean, I, in fairness, I thought Till lost the Stephen Thompson fight. Let me
1: just say this. Luke Thomas once called it promotional malpractice when Gastelum was booked against Weidman which I thought was ridiculous. I'm going to steal a a Luke Thomas line and call it promotional malpractice that Till is being booked in this fight, but apparently this is a fight that Till wanted, so it's partially on him, too. So there you go.
0: Careful. It's actually Vox Media that owns the rights to promotional malpractice now. The term? Yeah. Well, no. Like the term as a marketing tool. <laughs>
1: like th- that, uh, that, that. Uh, I just think I just think it's a bad idea putting him in a fight like this for his first fight at for his first test at middleweight.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, if there's I'm, if- I mean, look, don't get me.
1: I mean, I, 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 hesit- I mean, there's always going to be a risk, no matter who you fight. And I'm not saying like e- fighters will lose like fights they should win all the time.
0: We were but, just talking about Michael Johnson not too long ago.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Like, so, I just think it, it it's weird to, for this to be his first fight at middleweight.
0: If I were Darren Till's manager, this would not have been the fight I picked for him to debut at middleweight. But apparently in. he wanted a fight like this, so. And you know what? If If he was, you know... Sold on the idea of fighting Kelvin Gastelum. You know what? You can't talk him out of it. Some guys Look, can't get out of their own way.
1: The it's a roll of the, it, This fight is a roll of the dice because if he somehow comes out of this with a win.
0: Especially if, he, especially if he does something, if he stops Kelvin Gastelum.
1: Right. And as a fighter, you have to be confident in your skill and believe you can come out on top. I, I understand that. I'm just... Where Till is right now, this matchup, I'm I'm not... I just don't see how he beats Gastelum.
0: I, again, if I had my brothers, I would have put him in there with someone like Brad Tavares or Hill.
1: Honestly, Robert, I see this fight going a lot like the Woodley fight, personally.
0: I don't think Gastelum will do the uh, takedown threat as quickly as Gastelum's Woodley a did. He, he is. I just don't think that's going to be his game plan. I might be wrong. And but, I mean, my did, favorite, my favorite he, thing about that fight between Till and Woodley was the fact that Woodley came out, and the first thing he did was get right in Till's face and punch him really hard and just threw him off his Uriah game. Hall.
1: Look what he did to Uriah Hall. Darren, yeah. could, Darren Till could very well be the next Uriah Hall,
0: Robert. You know, that's not a bad fight, actually, now that you bring it up. Let, that, Darren, that Till, let Darren Till fight Uriah Hall. That would, I, honestly, I think that would have made a lot more
1: sense for Till.
0: Someone like like Hall or uh, like Brad Tavares, maybe, you know, like that. That's what not Brad Tavares, not Brad Tavares. Why not? Just because, you know, look, I don't like watching
1: Brad. You need to give you need to give give Till a more exciting crack (laughs) at middleweight.
0: Okay, you want to give him a more fan friendly fight. Okay.
1: yes. I mean, just because. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's Brad Tavares.
0: Okay, then go further down in the rankings. Go with Christoph Yachtko, who's more of a striker. But also, you know, rather pedestrian in many respects.
1: But I mean, I mean does he even beat a Christoph Yachtko?
0: I think there's less risk in the Yotko fight. Arguably. Arguably. But we'll see. Again, it's, it's a great fight. On I mean, uh, As mean, far as the a, action
1: itself, I'm time, looking forward to it. Once upon a time, I wasn't totally sold on Ro- Robert Whitaker moving up and him but sometimes you got to take i mean so it's not necessarily wrong for till to take risks like this but it just seems it seems like a bad risk but we'll see
0: all right um next back at welterweight steven thompson and vicente Luque are gonna fight this is a great fight a really good fight
1: this this fight is really getting overlooked too
0: on any other fight card, this would probably be more like a co-main event. Uh, it's that good a fight. Um, Luke on a long winning streak—five, six—I think six. six. He's doing great. Coming off that win over Mike Perry, um, Stephen Thompson, unfortunately, coming off of that loss to Anthony Pettis, he is ten and two in the UFC. Yeah, Luke's Look, Luke is perpetually underappreciated. Is
1: he even in, Is he even ranked in the top ten? Uh, yeah, he's 14, I
0: think. Yeah, 14.
1: That's that's shouldn't he be higher? Yes. He could The, fa- easily, he the could fact just...
0: that he is ranked right now below Ben Askren, Anthony Pettis, Robbie Lawler, and Darren Till is ridiculous. He should be
1: honestly. I think he should be number nine right now. Yeah. Would you agree with that? If yeah, I were to say, I, I wouldn't complain about nine? that. Maybe even higher. Just cuz and it to me, it, it's not just opponents. It, I mean, look, ten and two at 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 welterweight is impressive because that is a stacked division.
0: Yeah, welterweight's a really good division.
1: Um, this fight, man.
0: Yeah, this is a tough one. I don't know. I'm torn a little bit on this one because Luca again. Luca's a darn good fighter. He's got power. He's a little bit rangy. He's a little on the rugged side. Thompson's
1: kind of on I don't want to say he's on a downswing.
0: He's honest, he's not had the best his, his recent skid his recent his recent stretch is not great. Long way to say that. Mm. Um I can see either man winning. I mean again, if Thompson's able the to keep this fight, long and technical. Fight. Would you agree that the
1: tell fight was debatable who won? I scored it for Thompson. Yeah, so
0: uh See, two years uh, ago, I would have picked Thompson. Yeah. I mean, I also thought Thompson got a raw deal on, like, one of the scorecards for, the Woodley, for one of the Woodley fights. I can't remember which one.
1: The first one. It bl- was probably the first one.
0: I think it was the second, actually. The second one was just this weird situation where... Nothing I, happened. Well, here's my thing about that. and I might have to, if I were to rewatch that fight, I might now, I might put more 10-10 rounds in. But I'm not sure about that. But I, I just thought that based on how I saw the rounds going, I thought he might have won the second fight. Mm. That now that said, I think over the two fights with Woodley, Woodley's the better fighter. Like, I'm going out on a limb
1: here. I'm picking Luke. A. But I love this matchup. I hope it's a good fight.
0: I think I'm picking Luke a too, man. And <laughs> he's again, he's a really good, really underappreciated fighter.
1: He's surging, and, I
0: mean, he's, he, young up, he's arguably a young up and coming contender. He is. I mean, and Stephen Thompson looked good in the Anthony Pettis fight. He just kind of got caught with that Superman punch. And
1: his only loss in his only loss in ten fights in his last eleven fights. Excuse me, his only loss in eleven fights is to Leon Edwards, who's right up there right
0: now. So number uh, Edwards is what number four. Let's see, and I've got those open on a tab.
1: Yeah, number four. Yeah, he's four, and I don't honestly right now. I don't mind Edwards being four.
0: Nah, that, like, that's I, perfectly fair.
1: So, I would say Luque should probably be higher, just because based on the fact six in a row, ten and two overall the UFC, that's pretty damn good. Uh,
0: he, he should be higher, welterweight. Okay, welterweight's a bit of a mess. I think it's an five.
1: interesting matchup. I you know, and Thompson is very highly skilled in. Thompson has adopted his game very well to MMA. That's another thing.
0: Yeah, he really has. There's a lot that he does technically that I think is going to be studied in the future and refined and made like, better by other people.
1: Like, Thompson has, like, in terms of grappling, he has fairly good takedown defense.
0: Very good, yeah.
1: So, I mean, his transition to Emmett, considering, you know, his karate background, he did quite well for himself. Yeah, so, but edging toward Luke, but... Very interesting fight, and I'm very torn on it as well.
0: all right, next up, oh God, heavyweight um Derek Lewis is fighting blagoy Ivanov. I don't care um Probably Derek Lewis, because Blagoy Ivanov is such a like non entity by and large. Yeah, I'm going with Lewis. Here's what's gonna happen?
1: Uh Derek Lewis is gonna, he's going to lose the first two rounds and then Badly.
0: Gonna,
1: and then he's gonna survive and come back with a knockout like in the last ten seconds of the third, because it's Derek Lewis.
0: Yeah, he's gonna lose the first two rounds badly. Then Ivanov's gonna gas, and Derek Lewis is gonna kinda push him over, do the finger poke of doom, and that'll be it. Uh Because that
1: happens in in an alarming amount of Derrick Lewis fights. Yep. He's got a lot of late, like, uh, Volkov.
0: That performance by Volkov in that fight still just angers me.
1: Volkov, uh, Ty Burra was in the third round.
0: Uh, Shamil Abdurahimov was in the fourth, I think.
1: Fourth, yep. I mean, he didn't finish Nelson, but it was kind of like the same story with Nelson, right?
0: Yeah. Um... And I think I also kind of think Victor, Nelson won that fight and Victor Pesta. So,
1: yeah, Der- Derek Lewis, my balls
0: was hot. All right, and kicking off the main card, this fight. Ooh, baby. Uh, Kevin Lee returning to lightweight to fight Gregor Gillespie. Um, oh, this is a great fight, too. This is a great fight. Uh, Gregor Gillespie undefeated.
1: Kevin Lee returning to lightweight, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, just I don't know. Hopefully he can. Hopefully he
1: can make lightweight after fighting welterweight forler for a for spell.
0: Yeah, Gillespie again, undefeated, five and zero in the UFC. Um, all of them finishes. Jeez, nope, sorry. Uh, all but one of them finishes. Uh, so he's six and zero. That I don't know and why Gillespie he lost that is. Much.
1: He's getting. I think. I think he should be getting a lot more attention right now.
0: Oh yeah, he's, he's been did. out.
1: He's been outstanding so far.
0: Yeah, again, this is a great fight. Um, Gillespie. Yeah, Gillespie. I'm leaning Gillespie. I mean, they're both great wrestlers. A lot of that's a lot of this is going to be dictated by who secures a position of control first. Because Lee's whole thing, Lee's an exceptional back taker.
1: I think Lee, he's not a slow starter. He tends to start very
0: well, right? Yeah, yeah. He his whole thing tends to be I just dive at you in the opening seconds. Mhm. Uh, I'm leaning Gillespie, but that's a great fight. Really looking forward to that one.
1: Sorry, Kevin Lee. I like you, but I think you're not going to take this one.
0: It's a rough matchup, man. It, it just is. Hard,
1: honestly. Just in terms of match oh, yeah. matchups, skill level, uh, records, and everything, it's a very. This is probably one of the better main cards we've seen in a while. I think just in terms of balance.
0: Take away that heavyweight fight, and that's the best main card the UFC's had on pay-per-view, like, all year.
1: <laughs> i I probably agree. All
0: right, as for the prelims, Corey Anderson, who I forget exists all the time. You had to say, I laughed so hard. They did.
1: Johnny Walker. He's going to
0: lose. I can't pick Corey Anderson. <laughs> I, I mean, oh, God. It's surging Corey Anderson. Corey Anderson, like, oh, man, like, I laughed so hard because I wound up watching part of one of the hype pieces they did uh, yesterday uh, for this event. And they did, had an interview with Corey. who was like, no, no, you, you can hit me all day and I'm not going to go away. Like, buddy, I can think of at least three times you got knocked out. I'm the most consistent fighter in the division. You're The only thing you're consistent about is being forgettable. I know Corey Anderson is on a three-fight winning streak. I know I watched every one of those fights. I could not tell you anything about any of them. Not one thing. Uh, I'm picking Johnny Walker, not just because Corey Anderson is just like has kind of taken over the position of Ryan Bader in the division, but somebody has to break up the malaise at light heavyweight. And I'm just kind of hoping Johnny Walker is one of the guys to do it. Uh, I mean, Corey Anderson stumbles in the big fights anyway. He's. Yeah, again, he wins the ultimate fighter, beats a nobody, steps up to John Volante, gets finished, wins three in a row, fights Shogun, loses. OK, kind of a bad decision, but loses. Rebounds, fights Jimmy Manawa, knocked out, fights Ovin St. Prue, gets knocked out in the third round. Like, I don't know. I just I don't think he's going to be that guy. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm I am wrong i am I again I have been in the past, I will be in the future, but I mean, even if he wins this fight, that's he could win this fight, immediately, you know, call out John Jones, and in three days everyone will forget the fight happened. Um Shane Burgos will fight Maquan Amir Khani. This is a good fight, actually. Um Burgos on a two fight winning streak. He's got a he's only lost once. He's like what, five and one in the UFC. Uh, And Amir Khani had some hype at one point, and that just kind of died. Uh, Inactivity's uh, not a very good thing. He's coming off a win over Chris Fishgold. Going with Burgos. Um, At middleweight, Brad Tavares will fight Edmund Shabazian. Um, Brad Tavares exists. He hasn't fought since the uh, the Adesanya fight, Uh, in July of last year. He's taking this fight on short notice. Okay, this was supposed to be Ian Heinisch and uh Shabazian. Um Shabazian undefeated. Uh f- three wins in the UFC. Yeah, I this is a this is a pretty stiff test for Shabazian, but I think he'll win. We have another heavyweight fight. Andre Arlovsky who won his last fight. Andre Olovsky at this point in time does this thing. Where he loses a bunch of fights, then wins a fight, then loses a bunch of fights, then wins a fight. Um he beat Ben Rothwell in his last fight. Uh he's fighting uh Jarzinho Rosenstreich, who is is he undefeated? If he's not, he's close to it. Who's got like two does he have two or three wins? I have to look this up now. Because I believe he's fought twice in the UFC and has knocked out both of his opponents. Uh, there he is. Rose. Yeah, he's undefeated. He's 8-0. Fought twice. Yeah, twice in the UFC. Knocked out both of he knocked out both of them. Uh, I can't pick Andre Arlovsky to win a fight. I just can't do it. Uh, then our early prelims. Jennifer Maya will fight Caitlin Chukagian. Boy, that's going to suck. Um, probably Chukagian wins another ultimately uninspiring decision and then backs into a title shot by virtue of just, hey, I'm ranked. Look at me, look at me, look at me. And the UFC goes, sure, we need someone to fight Valentina, and Valentina proceeds to watch her shadow box in front of her for three and a half rounds before kicking her in the head. Uh, Lyman Good will fight Ch- Chance Rencounter. That's not a bad fight, actually. Um, Good loss to Damian Mayas last time out. uh, Rough setback for him. He uh, ended a long layoff kind of deal and knocked out Ben Saunders. Ended a really long layoff when he dropped a tough decision to Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos. Uh, And Chance Rencounter's not a... eh, He's only lost once in the UFC. That was to Bilal Muhammad. He's won his last two fights. He's kind of a wet blanket, but... Like the aggressive kind of wet blanket. I'm actually going to lean towards good there, but uh, that's uh, again, that's a that's a winnable fight for Ren Counter. And kicking everything off, Julio Arce will fight Hakeem Dawodu. Um, Arce, good overall UFC record, only lost the one time. Uh, kind of surprised they're giving Dawadu someone who's good. Uh, they've been giving him kind of cans. I mean, he debuted in the UFC and got submitted by Danny Henry. Then they gave him, you know, low-level fighters to kind of get him back on track. I'm going to pick Arce there, but if Dawood actually found his his stride, um, this is his chance to really prove it. Okay, Jeff, again, there's some good fights there. This is not a bad undercard. Uh, What are you looking forward to? Uh, Let's see here. I mean Corey
1: Anderson versus Johnny Walker, of course. How can you not love that fight?
0: I've seen too many Corey Anderson fights.
1: Uh, I, I think uh, Burgos versus uh, Amir um, excuse me Amir Khan is a it's a good matchup for Featherweight. Um, see Chukagian versus Maya. Uh, that looks like it'll be a decent fight, at least.
0: All right. Um, again, Saturday, we'll have coverage of that in the MMA zone of 411mania.com. Stop by, say hello, enjoy the fights. Always appreciated. Okay, let's move on to some of the news. Uh, let's start with this. UFC 245 got two more fights added to it over the last week. Uh, they're both great fights in many in different ways, but... Former featherweight champion Jose Aldo moving down to bantamweight will fight Marlon Moraes, former title challenger. Uh, I'm somewhat wary of Aldo at bantamweight. Uh, Featherweight at times was a very hard cut for him to make. And it's always just a little bit kind of iffy when you see a former great, and make no mistake, Jose Aldo, great fighter, but out of the title picture between the two losses to Max Holloway and then the loss to Volkanovsky, trying to move down in weight to kind of reinvent himself. Uh, again, that's... At this point in MMA, it just doesn't have the best track record. And Marlon Moraes is uh, not an easy fight, but it's a good fight. I'm looking forward to it in kind of a abstract sense, but I don't know. But again, Aldo at Bantamweight Bantamweight's kind of leery. Also at Bantamweight, um, Peter Jan is going to fight Uriah Faber, and I fully expect him to just murder him. Um, look, Faber came back and fought a top 15 guy that was kind of the only guy ranked in that division he could reasonably be expected to beat. Um, Peter Jan, by contrast, is going to try to kill him. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I can't, look, I, I'm not going to pick Faber, not over Jan, Jan's just good. I mean, you know, Ricky Simone had moderate success against Faber, and Simone is a profoundly flawed fighter. Not that Jan's perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but if Jan's going to make a case for himself, as I mean, they're also wasting time at Bantamweight because Henry Cejudo is just not going to defend that belt. But we can't actually say that or do anything about it. So, hey, former title challenger Marlon Moraes will now fight Aldo. And should be challenger or in a title eliminator fight, fighter Peter Jan will fight the California middle-aged man. Wait, wait. Can... um, Go Go ahead. Aldo versus Marais? Yeah.
1: So is Marais moving up? Nope. So Aldo's moving down? Yep. Sorry, Jose Aldo.
0: I mean, again, I'm looking forward to the fight because both those guys can fight their backsides can, off. Can
1: Aldo safely make 135?
0: I have no idea. He seems when confident. He
1: talking about fighting at 135, that was when Miguel Torres was champion. So, like...
0: God, I he would have killed Torres. I
1: sent, I sent like said, like... We're talking like a, like uh, an MMA century ago, Robert.
0: Yeah, I, again, for, for the longest time, the talk about Aldo has been him moving up to lightweight.
1: Um, Faber is going to get eaten alive by Peter Jan.
0: Yeah, I don't see that ending well for him.
1: <laughs> why would why, If you're Faber, why do you even accept a fight with Peter Jan?
0: If you... I think there might be something in play where if he beats Jan, he can leapfrog everyone else for a title fight.
1: I mean, I guess, but I mean, do you think he beats Peter Jan?
0: No. I think Peter Jan might actually kill him in the cage. (laughs)
1: I mean, I won't go that far, but damn.
0: Um, well, yeah, Peter Yan doesn't play around like that. He's one of those guys who I watch him fight, and I kind of go, "You know, you might kill someone, and it probably wouldn't phase you at all."
1: Peter Yan is very underrated.
0: Yeah, I, again, I've been a fan of that guy dating back to some of his um, AB, or, excuse me, ACB fights. I've loved him in the UFC. He's not ranked high enough right now.
1: He's a stone cold thriller killer.
0: That man, his nickname isn't the Siberian gangster for nothing. Like, that Um, guy will end you. Here's
1: something else. Uh, Sergio Pettis is going to Bellator.
0: Yeah, I did see that, and I don't care. Seems to
1: make sense,
0: honestly. Look, if he's... He hit his ceiling in the UFC. He did, and he never kind of just found his footing in the UFC, and... It's look, guys. Remember how they talked about how they were going to keep flyweight around? Look, there's a legitimate flyweight contender and longtime member of the division going away, like all the others. They're not saving the division. I contest legitimate contender. Uh, Okay, well, maybe not title contender, but you know, a solid upper level gatekeeper, if nothing else. Yeah,
1: I think this is for the best for him. I think this is a. I think this is a good. I think it's a good move for his career
0: I mean, if he can get paid more and he's happy, you know, godspeed and party on, man go get paid, go have fun I mean, it might be It might be, the matchups
1: might even be better for him in Bellator, you know
0: I assume he'd be fighting at Bantamweight I don't think Bellator has a flyweight division
1: well
0: even at Bantamweight
1: it might be better matchups don't you think?
0: yeah, and you know, him potentially fighting you know, Kyoji not- Hora- If he fights Kyoji Horiguchi, for example, I mean, Horiguchi would finish him, but not a bad fight. Sure. So, no, I mean, again, I don't wish, I don't have any ill will towards Sergio Pettis, uh, which is odd considering how many of his fights I've watched.
1: Conor McGregor is apparently going to fight in January. We don't
0: know. Uh, Conor McGregor's full of crap.
1: Speaking um, of... You, so you don't think that fight happens in January?
0: No. Okay. L- look, I'll believe it when they sign... When, like, there's signed bout agreements, and... Okay. Like, I'm not saying it's okay. impossible. I will not take his word for it, absent well, other evidence. Well, here's
1: what did happen with McGregor. He was at a...
0: Some, <laughs> sort a of press event, at
1: <laughs> some sort of press event at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in Moscow. Um... An angry fan who, who shouted at McGregor launched a soda, soda bottle, uh, which did not hit McGregor. He, duck, like he ducked. It, it, it remind, remember, remember George W. Bush in the shoe? I Press do. On? It's kind of like that, basically. Nothing connected, but it was thrown. And it's it-
0: almost like he very publicly and for a prolonged period of time insulted an entire group of people in region of the world. And those people took him seriously in the video, even. Yeah, I mean, look, I have no interest in Conor McGregor until he gets in the cage. Until then, I, again, I don't care. I don't care at all. Video was kind of funny though. Eh, sure, again, in kind of the memey sense, I I don't object to that. I, sure, he yeah. says, it, "Oh, sure, I'm going to fight in January." You got an opponent? No, you got an actual date in the card? No, you got a you got a geographical location you're going to fight in? Got an opponent? No? Shut up. You're just desperately trying to hang on to relevancy as the sport moves on without you. Hey, it's please, please pay no attention to the multiple allegations of sexual misconduct thrown my way. I'm going to fight again.
1: It's weird how, like... Like, no one's talk. Almost no one's... Like, we get news about that, but no one's getting all outraged about that. It's surprising.
0: Well, part of that is it's not been... It's not been confirmed in the same way that American media is used to confirming things because of Irish laws. The other part of it is... I mean, but look at... A court, court, court of public opinion will
1: destroy people here. It will. On allegations, on allegations alone.
0: Relative to what you're doing, like who you are kind of matters with that, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, we don't really want... And this might be a little bit odd, but we don't really want, uh, for some reason, you know, directors to take advantage. And I'll put air quotes around that because there's a lot of people who do it willingly of people, you know, trying to break into Hollywood kind of thing. That's fair. And then at the same time, we profoundly ignore the debauchery uh, that NFL players get up to or basketball players on just the norm. I remember there was that like pseudo outrage for about a week and a half over the Vikings party boat.
1: That I don't remember. I mean, there was considerable outrage over Ray Rice. And just recently with the Houston Astros, um, their assistant GM just got fired over comments about uh, Osuna, the pitcher.
0: Yeah, he said some stupid things.
1: (laughs) But. The Astros did really fumble that badly at first.
0: Yeah. And, and I think there's just enough of a history I think
1: of There is. I think I think it is it is prevalent in pro sports. I have to disagree with you there.
0: Oh wait, no, it but uh, I from what, sort I've, of. From and what I've I What I It okay, does When was when was the last large scale like genuine outrage over the behavior of a sports figure?
1: To me, I I mean that I really remember
0: it was probably Ray Rice. Okay Broke's huge okay that's fair, but remember when Ray Lewis killed a guy
1: no actually no, I don't <laughs> I don't follow pro sports enough,
0: but like this, this was years the ago
1: rice the Ray rice thing was national news you know
0: I think the, okay, the if, thing if, if I set if I set aside you know Colin Kaepernick and all that stuff setting that aside I think the last time I can kind of remember something was um Who's that running back who, like, beat his kid? And not that running back for the Vikings who, like, uh, hit, was uh, uh, striking his kid with a switch?
1: I, I, I vaguely remember something like that.
0: I can't remember his name for the life of me right now.
1: All right, yeah, I remember some stuff about that some years back.
0: Yeah, I think that's a few <laughs> years ago. But it's... Uh, When did Ray Lewis actually happen? Oh, the year before the Ravens won the Super Bowl, I think. So we're talking like ten plus years. Okay. Ray Rice was
1: more recent, though.
0: Yeah. But again, like that stuff happens all the time, and for some reason, it doesn't seem to gain the same gain the same kind of traction. Okay. Okay. And I it happens th- even think, less. And I it, think it happens subject less.
1: Matter. I think subject matter happens, but I That's remember true. there wasn't. I do remember there was a time where people like. Where people were like, and it, people were surprised when NFL players weren't getting into trouble, basically. When there was like an NFL player who like kept his nose clean, was sort of, and this is like back in the, the aughts,
0: as I recall. Well, you know, Steve Young was kind of an aberration in that respect. People like, like people like,
1: it was, the perception was so bad that people basically accepted NFL players to be like, Small-time criminals, basically.
0: Yep. Routine. But again, it's to the point where it happens so frequently, we're somewhat a nerd to it in many respects, and it's worse in combat sports because there's just such a long history of. Yeah, t- of I can get people.
1: that. I'm just surprised with the subject matter now that McGregor seems to largely escape it.
0: I think the first time that he is named publicly, the same way that in the way that you know. If that same thing were happening to an, happening to an American fighter on American soil, right. of roughly his of roughly his stature, the again, just and this is just again kind of a law and culture thing. The press in the United States and the press in Ireland operate under different laws okay. And look, the first time he's arrested, it's all uh, assuming there's well, enough evidence to warrant that.
1: Okay, so but so far, he has not been charged formally no. charged or arrested relating to this these incidents so far.
0: At the moment, they are just allegations, and he is being investigated. That's all we know. All right. But Um,
1: this thing with the soda bottle was still amusing.
0: Shame the guy missed. Oh, oh. Look, I said the same thing about Verdú missing Colby Covington with the boomerang, just because it would have been funny.
1: Tyson Fury told Sky Sports he's going to train for his MMA debut. Would you like to comment?
0: I... I don't dislike Tyson Fury as a fighter, but I have no interest in him in the MMA space. I think he's probably I think he's probably saying that to garner attention more than anything else. Yeah,
1: I, I probably agree with that. Uh,
0: okay. Well, oh, oh this, hang on. Uh, no, the have- UFC's upcoming Moscow card got a shake up. Uh, the original main event of Alexander Volkov versus Junior Dos Santos is off. Junior Dos hey, Santos has a gnarly staph infection. Oh, that looks awful. Yeah, he posted a picture of himself in the hospital. and You can see the hole in his leg.
1: That I hope his grand. leg
0: is going to be okay. Well, he's in the he's in a hospital. That's the best case scenario. So, assuming it's a good hospital, and I believe he lives in the United States, so. Well, not a guarantee, certainly does increase his odds. Um, Stepping in to replace him against Volkov is Greg Hardy. He of now inhaler Gate and illegal knees. Um, that will not be the main event. That will now be the co-main event. Your new main event was already on the card. It's a featherweight fight between Zabit Magomed Sharipov and Calvin Cater. However, it's going it to be a, it's only going to be a three-round fight because of the short notice uh, change on the card.
1: I mean, that's a good fight, by the way.
0: I don't know. It's not a bad fight at all. Um, But speaking of good
1: hospitals, um, I'm not trying to, just to preface this, I'm not trying to bash Chile, but Volkanovsky said he received very good treatment uh, for his uh, staph infection when he went to Chile. Said it was like the best hospital in Chile.
0: Uh, he, I think he di- he disembarked in Santiago, and that's where he had that. So it might have been. And I mean, I know Chile's had some protests recently, which I mean, fair enough. There's, it's not a perfect country, but you know, if he if he got good care, and you know, he's gonna fight for the belt again soon. So, I'm, well, but like again.
1: at one point, like he was worried his leg would have to be amputated, but he said he he was at a good hospital and he received very good treatment. So, just to kind of dispel the myth that. That you know, South American hot. What I'm
0: Oh no, there's like the notion that South America is is a like populated with third world countries is deeply inaccurate.
1: Right. So, so I mean, this might now look it might be rare, uh, Volkanovsky's experience, but apparently he received very good treatment at a very good hospital there. So,
0: go figure. Yeah, and you know, good on him. I mean. Yeah. If I'm if I'm him and I wind up in like a... Yeah, so. and that was
1: a very... From what he described, it was a very scary situation for him.
0: Yeah, it got there. Based on based on well, his I'm account, glad. I have no, no I'm glad. to disbelieve and, uh, him.
1: You know, credit to the doctors for taking good care of him there.
0: Yeah, so hopefully Junior heals up. This will also apparently adversely affect his participation in Brazil's Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. I think he's still in the show. I'm not sure. Uh, I know he was on like a couple of weeks ago because he was posting stuff about it and like the video of his performances online. Uh, but yeah, managed to go, you know, years without a major staff infection, rolling on the mats in, you know, ATT or the Noguera Brothers gym and suddenly goes on Dancing with the Stars, less sanitary. I joke, I, I can't vouch for the conditions in the dance studio that he's trained at. So yeah, so anyway, UFC Moscow got shaken up, and yeah,
1: it's still an okay card-ish. I mean, it's, a, it's an ESPN plus
0: Moscow card, you know. I mean, again, it, it, it lost the best fight on the card by yeah, far, but.
1: Even that, I, I got to be honest, even that fight I wasn't too
0: excited about. I mean, again, it's not a great fight, but it's a relevant heavyweight fight between two heavyweights who are actually good fighters. I mean, I'll take that any day yeah. of the week. Yeah. Uh, I think that's everything I've got. So anything Jake else? Hager,
1: Jake Hager had his last fight overturned due to illegal knees to the groin. So he's now 2-0 in one no contest. Sorry, Jake Hager.
0: Uh, he should have been DQ'd.
1: Do you think those... So you think those knees were intentional?
0: I think if you foul somebody twice in the same way, resulting in the stoppage of a fight due to the other guy being unable to continue... I'm happy to give someone the benefit, you know, I'm happy to let it be circumstantial the first time. If it happens a second time, I think that just your repeated negligence should be punished.
1: Um, 50-
0: I mean, he was, he was kind of getting abused in that fight anyway. Um, Oh, also relative to Bellator. Uh, congrats to Douglas Lima, who beat Roy McDonald yesterday to win their... Uh, welterweight Grand Prix, win the welterweight title, and win the million-dollar prize. So you know, How Douglas much Lima. Is he actually going to keep. The- I don't know. Uh, look, Douglas Lima, criminally underrated welterweight, one of the better welterweights in the world. Yeah. Uh, again, just dude's only lost to three people, and he's avenged two of those. Uh, he's only lost to Ben Askren, Roy McDonald, and Andre Koreshkov.
1: The UFC should get him.
0: I, I mean, I think they've tried on occasion. I don't know. But again, Douglas Lima, great, great fighter. Sadly underappreciated. Good I for heard. him. Um, minor uh, anti-kudos within that same vein to Roy Nelson and Frank Mir, who had a rematch on Bellator. Um, that fight was worse than their first one, and their first one sucked. <laughs>
1: Uh, okay, here. Uh, Randy Couture, uh, 56 years old, UFC Hall of Famer, former champion, um, uh, apparently had a heart attack, uh, t- a few days ago. He's apparently doing okay he was able to walk out of the hospital on his own.
0: He walked into the, ho- like, he, he didn't even realize he was having a heart attack, right. had a he workout.
1: So he thought he like, you know, pulled something while he was working out. He
0: didn't realize
1: it was a heart attack.
0: Walked himself into the hospital in the midst of a heart attack. The absolute badass. Um, so it seems like he's okay.
1: Um, he's, um, glad to hear he's doing okay.
0: And he's, um, he's left the hospital. He, that's a story in his own words. He has not yet kicked the bucket.
1: So, uh, yeah, well, soon Randy Couture and hope uh, hope he doesn't have any long term heart issues. So hope he's doing okay there. Ditto. Um. Randy is a living legend. Uh, Luke Rockhold said he's not interested in another MMA bout. Speaking to ESPN, so it seems like he's on. We, he's we right. talked
0: a little bit about that yeah. last week. Yeah, that he might just be done at this point. And, and I don't blame him. A
1: good decision for him at this point. I mean, he's getting some good modeling gigs. Like some prime gigs, and I feel like we, I feel like he's hit the ceiling for MMA. I kind of feel like he's kind of hit the wall.
0: Yeah, uh, it's entirely possible. Career,
1: all things considered, he's had a very good career. Agreed. Tito Ortiz tells MMA Fighting that he's not leaving anytime soon, and he's going to make another run for the Bellator light heavyweight belt after he fights Alberto Del Rio. A.K.A. Alberto El Patron.
0: Yeah, that fight has about as much chance of being legitimate as uh, that old fight between Ken Shamrock and Matt Hume.
1: So that fight's happening in December, and after that, Tito Ortiz is not going away.
0: Despite, our, despite our repeated <laughs> request that he do so.
1: <laughs> hey, I, you know what? More power to him. Tito, live your live, live the best life, Tito.
0: Yeah, you engage no. in uh in whatever you're gonna Look, Tito, do.
1: Tito has no obligation to listen to what I have to say. He's his own he's his own man.
0: You Look, know? the re the rematch between Tito Ortiz and Ryan Bader. <laughs> remember when he submitted Bader with a guillotine choke?
1: Right, yeah, I remember. Oh god, that was hilarious. That's I would would have ended his his career, really.
0: Oh god. Yeah, now Bader's a dual... If he beats Bader again, like, I would love for him to just jump guillotine the first time they lock up. That'd be funny. Oh, uh, God. Yeah, so we should keep fighting. Ortiz and Bader, just why? Keep fighting, Tito. Look, man, I'm not your father you, or anything. <laughs> just uh, he's going to do.
1: That's all, I ha- that's all I have for MMA
0: news. Uh, Yeah, let me... Refresh Twitter very quickly, see if anything crazy happened over the last 20 or so minutes. I don't think anything new. Uh, Ronda
1: Rousey showed support for Diaz. Good for her.
0: Yeah. Look, Ronda deciding to bash PED users while being part of the WWE might be the least self aware thing she's ever done. Well, that that covers a lot of ground.
1: She's always been friendly with Diaz, as as I recall. Yeah. I'm not sure, but I feel like she's trained with them in
0: the past, or something like that. Uh, uh, no, I mean,
1: I feel look, she's been friendly with them for a long time, as I recall.
0: I'm just saying, when you're in professional wrestling, if your stance is people who use steroids are insert expletive, you might want to consider the company you're keeping. <sighs> All right, moving on to plugs. So, what do we got this week?
1: uh okay so for movies um i'll be reviewing oh i just reviewed one piece stampede so if we have any anime fans uh this is the new one piece theatrical film having a brief it's in the middle of a brief theatrical run in the u.s so you there's actually still time to see it in theaters right now enjoyed it uh check that out next reviews will be to terminator dark Fate. yeah uh, the report, which uh, we talked about a little bit earlier, which was about uh, the U.S.'s uh, enhanced interrogation program. I hear that Adam Driver is getting a lot of Oscar buzz for this film. It's a pretty interesting film. Didn't hate it. Um, and then what? Out, uh, oh, Playing With Fire starring John Cena. That should be the subject so, of your next uh, of your next podcast with Mark Rattles, right?
0: Absolutely not. Why not? Look, I lived through Super Cena, okay? (laughs) I lived through LOL Cena wins. I was a wrestling fan during that period of time when Cena, in consecutive feuds, basically buried Christian, Chris Jericho, and Kurt Angle. Mm -hmm. I don't hold, and I spent all of that time not wanting to kick John Cena in the dick. Then I saw a trailer for Playing With Fire. (laughs)
1: It looks like it's going to be the greatest movie of the year, right?
0: I want to drown everyone involved in that movie <laughs> in a bucket of
1: piss. That's, okay, well that's very dark. That's very dark. I'm not expecting an Oscar winner, but I am going to see him review that movie for 411 Mania. So look forward
0: I to- <laughs> wish you the best of luck. <laughs> Thank you. Um uh, Mark and I both like saw trailers for that ahead of Maleficent. It was the first time I'd seen a trailer for it. Yeah. I wanted to die while just watching the trailer, just like I, no, get me the hell out of here. I, Mark then said, "Yeah, my uh, one of like one of his kids wants to see it now," and he just said, "I'm a good dad, so I'll do it with them." But even Mark has no interest are in you that.
1: A dad, if you take your kids to see Playing with Fire,
0: I don't know. I've tried <laughs> on occasion to kind of get him around to showing them good movies,
1: <laughs> like Frozen 2. Yes, you're a good dad. Playing with Fire, I'm not so sure. I'm sorry, Mark. Um, I thought you guys were pretty on point where, for Mistress of Evil, though.
0: Thank you, I appreciate was that.
1: Bad, Which was a bad movie. Just, like... That's, like... The first one was bad to me, but, like, quit while you're ahead, you know?
0: You know, if Hollywood knew how to quit while they were ahead, we wouldn't have franchise fatigue the way we do. Mm-hmm. Like...
1: Now they're talking about the sequel for the Joker, and I'm like, please don't,
0: please. Oh, oh there's no sequel there. Stop it.
1: They're, like, they but they're gonna do it because because that's what they do, you know? Right? I mean,
0: it's only the highest grossing R-rated movie of all time. Why yeah, wouldn't but, they?
1: <laughs> but but as you said, there, when you look at the movie, there's really no sequel there, right? Yeah, I, I, I don't want a sequel. Well, it doesn't make, but it doesn't logically make any sense. So it's like, why? But whatever um so that's what's coming up and uh yeah i hope you do playing with fire for the for future nope. damn you hollywood i Absolutely
0: think it'd be the not. best ep-
1: i think it would be the best episode ever of that show it would
0: be my eulogy
1: i'm gonna pitch it to mark rattleish
0: that that podcast <laughs> a review of that movie would be like a a two-hour suicide note from me to the world <laughs>
1: See, just, it, 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 you see, if listening to you just talk about that, is that good? I'm like, what would the actual show be? Now you're just selling me even more. I'm wanting I, to hear it.
0: I don't think anything good would come out of it. Like, we'd actually watch the movie and Mark and I would just be so crushed within our souls that we just couldn't muster up the energy to talk about it.
1: <laughs> but, you know, what, I actually kind of got interested realizing, hey, Tyler Maine is in the movie. Tyler Mayne, formerly Sabretooth in the first X-Men film, and, and Mike Myers in the, in the Rob Zombie Halloween reboot.
0: There is no one associated with that movie who I have any interest in on a cinematic level.
1: <laughs> all right. But thank you, Robert. And uh, yeah, that's what I got. Thank you, man.
0: Uh, yeah, well, all right. As for myself, again, Jeff intimated it. Mark Radledge and I got together on Damn You Hollywood last week to review Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, More like Maleficent, title character has five lines of dialogue in a two-hour-plus movie. Oh, God. Uh, Yeah, neither of us cared for it. But if you want details about what we had issues with, listen to the movie. We have a lot of fun. We talk about the money. We talk about how much the critics suck at their job. Uh, All the usual hits. This week, we'll be reviewing Zombieland Double Tap on Tuesday on Damn You Hollywood, the week after will be Terminator Dark Fate. So look forward to those if you're fans of Damn You Hollywood over on the Rattletch and Broadcasting Network.
1: What did you think of Double Tap, by the way?
0: I have not seen it yet. I will be seeing it Tuesday. Interesting. Tuesday's discount day at my theater chain here, so I try to save money. I'm did cheap. you
1: like the first Zombieland, by the way? I did. Okay.
0: Not my favorite zombie comedy of all time. It's not Shaun of the Dead, but I enjoyed it.
1: Because, I mean, I got to be I like, I, I, I enjoyed... I enjoyed the movie just purely as an entertaining zombie comedy. But a lot of the humor felt very dated to me. And I feel like, did they write this script 10 years ago and just wait 10 years to film it? Kind of thing.
0: Probably. Like, that would not shock me if that were the sequence of events.
1: That was kind of like the vibe I got from that film. Because, I don't
0: know. Well, I imagine, again, from the trailers and whatnot, the comedy is either very dated or hyper-modern. Like it's, it's either, you know, relevant 10 years ago or like a, the walking, president.
1: like a walking dead joke in a zombie movie doesn't feel relevant in 2019. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That that's fair. Even, but even, even like a joke, like there's this really long joke in the movie about ride sharing that felt kind of dated to me.
0: Yeah. I, again, I'll see the movie and I'll have a perspective once I see it, but right.
1: Thank, well, I'm looking forward to that. Thanks.
0: I will be sure to share it around on my social media accounts when it comes out. Uh, All right. Again, Saturday will be coverage of UFC 244 in the MMA zone of 411 mania where you can find this podcast Uh, or you can find us on Apple music, Google play uh, stitcher transistor. I think we're on iHeartRadio wherever you find podcasts. You can probably find us. So however you did, thank you very much. Please interact with the material a little bit, Uh, be that a ratings, a thumbs up, we're on YouTube as well, a rating, a thumbs up, a comment, a review, whatever it happens to be. If you think this is only like a three-star show, only give me three stars. I I only want what I earn. If you think less, fine, be less. I just, uh, I think I'm better than, I think we're better here than a one-star show, that's my only caveat. If you disagree, fine, only go one star. Uh, so, again, yeah, always appreciated if you guys have uh, will take the time to interact with the material a little bit. It helps us out tremendously. Feedback is always appreciated, if at all applicable. Uh, thank you very much. We'll be back next week to review UFC 244. And we will be previewing. Uh, yeah, we will be previewing UFC Uh, Moscow, the Magomed Sharipov versus Calvin Cater card on the 9th of November. Uh, That's when we'll be back next week.
1: Are we skipping next week?
0: No, that's what we're doing next week. Okay. Yeah, because... Yeah, next week will be the third. So we're
1: Uh, recapping 244.
0: Yeah, and we'll preview uh, the Moscow card, which is on the 9th.
1: So no more, no more... No more chaos for 244, Diaz, all. You, know, you know,
0: maybe this, you mentioned Nate Diaz maybe pulling like the, the 500 IQ play. Maybe this was the real, the real Galaxy brain play here is Nate Diaz decided this is the only, I'm going to manifest and deal with the chaos of this card all within a 48 hour time period and now it'll be smooth sailing. I mean, I hope, hopefully it
1: was enough to confuse... Cluck, clucky or cluck Cluckthul who
0: look if the MMA gods saw that chaos and were appeased then I'll take it <laughs> that you know
1: I'll take it too
0: honestly. again it, if that if the, again, if the galaxy brain play here was cause a dust up over nothing but the act of chaos itself is enough to dissuade any real damage to the card I'll take it and be happy <laughs> I've been burned a lot, and I will take whatever I can get as far as that goes. But so anyway, Saturday, UFC 244. Next Sunday, we'll be back here reviewing that, previewing the UFC in Moscow card. Uh, we'll be back after Halloween, so I hope everyone stays safe out there. Have a good time. For those that celebrate Halloween, and if you don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. You are just one of those people. Uh, Until next time, everyone, again, stay safe out there. Thank you again for listening, and please continue to be well, be safe, and behave.